the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Richard Wank, director of VAMP, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark with Zach and Corey. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Vamp, starring Chris Maypeace, Robert Russler, Dee Dee Pfeiffer, and Grace Jones. Welcome to another blood-curdling episode of Podcasting After Dark, where we answer the question... What's sexier, a vampire with iron bra or ring bra, I guess I should say, or a Salma Hayek sexy vampire from From Dust Till Dawn? We'll, we'll get to those hot questions and more when we break down today's movie. Uh, well, we'll talk about it in just a second. But first, it's me. It's Zach, Tiny T, uh, Zach the Snack. And joining me as always is my bodaciously beautiful co-host, my partner in crime, my other wife, uh, <laughs> of which I have three. Corey, what's happening, brother? What's up, guys and gals? Sleazy C here coming in hot on vamp. It was uh, This is my first time uh, exposure to this film. And boy, oh boy. Was it perfect? Was it? It was absolutely a perfect time for me to see it because if I saw this when I was a kid, I would not have understood it, and I probably would have written it off. But now I'm like, this movie is freaking hilarious, and I have so many things that I love about it that I want to talk about. But we will get into all of that as Zach walks us through this this beautifully surreal film. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, 1986's Vamp. Um, as as many of you uh, may or may not know, we are recording this episode right after we just interviewed the director of Vamp, Richard Wank. Uh, we'll get to all that and more later on. But uh, he brought up one quick thing, I'll say. It came out the year of Aliens and The Fly the same weekend, in fact. I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, my history, my quick history with this movie is I saw pieces of it uh, and eventually saw it all the way through uh, as a kid but my mom would wake up my mom had to be at work by seven every morning she drove me to school so uh, she would wake me up at six 6 a.m uh, I would turn the TV on HBO would be showing horror films that's what they did back in the day and vamp was almost always it was like vamp reanimator and from beyond for some reason all three of those movies and I think they were all no, they weren't all New World movies, but uh, Vamp definitely is. Uh, and I would always see the tail end of the movie, and I loved it. I loved it. My my like my eight or nine year old or ten year old body uh, self w- was had a huge crush on uh, the lead actress in the movie, Dee Dee Pfeiffer. Even as a kid, like she's so cute. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I think I was just like, this looks cool, and I really liked Chris Makepeace, and uh, and and I wanted to see the whole thing. And then my brother's like, oh, that's Vamp. Uh, let's yeah, let's we'll get that eventually. We rented it from the video store, and I think we watched it like three or four times in a row the weekend we did because we loved it so much. Um, so that's my history with today's movie, 1986's Vamp. 
Corey has a very limited history <laughs> with it, all of about two weeks. But Corey, what's your history with me? Yeah, like you said, it's it's basically uh, watched it for the first time for for this. It was always a movie that uh, I knew I should see, you know, and everything, and and people talked about it, and I always love Grace Jones. I think she's amazing, uh, but it's just it kind of always got past me. And uh, you know, talking to Richard Wank. It, you know, the fact that this is like a horror comedy uh, and back in a time where horror comedies, th- that wasn't a genre unto itself. Either you no. were a horror or you were a comedy movie. And this was a problem, I think, with trying to sell Fright Night as well. But because of movies like Fright Night and Vamp, I would say that horror comedy is its own genre now, you know. And uh, and as someone who, like I said earlier on, as someone who's seen it for the first time in 2021, and I told Richard Wink this in the interview, this movie holds up very well in today's light. And I think it's because of the, the love that was put into this film. Yeah, so um, this movie came out, like you said, at a time when horror comedies weren't very popular. I remember seeing Love at First Bite with mm-hmm. uh, George Hamilton in the theater. Yep. I think that came out either either in the late 70s or early 80s. Gosh, my mom took me to a lot of movies <laughs> I shouldn't have seen. Uh, anyways, who cares? It, it made me who I am today, so thank you, Mom. Um, quick shout-out to my mom. But, yeah, th- this movie is definitely ahead of its time uh, in many ways for those of us that love From Dust Till Dawn, and we'll get to that later. Um, but... It's just a, such a unique. It's such a unique film, and 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 I cannot wait to break it down with you. Uh, but oh, it, it, and and it, this really wouldn't have happened. This movie's always been on my list of movies to do, but it wouldn't have happened really unless uh, an Instagram follower of ours, Vamp After Dark, had reached out and and said, you know, when are you guys doing Vamp? And he goes, well. You know, let me know when you do because the thirtieth, the thirtieth thirty-fifth anniversary it's, is like this month. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, it should be uh, actually by the time we're recording this, it'll be tomorrow, uh, Sunday. So the day before you're listening to this, probably. Yeah. So this week wow. is basically gonna we're we're hitting it, we're hitting it right on the head, essentially. Yeah, so so Vamp After Dark, thank you for uh, kind of the accelerating the already uh, the movie that was already gonna be on our show anyways, and not only that, but he helped us. Uh, he or she, we'll, we'll find out, because uh, well, I'm sure we'll meet him at some point. Hooked us up with uh, with you know potential future guests on the show, including Richard Wank, uh, who we just interview which is still bonkers to me and he so was a lot an, of the, he was an absolute gentleman he was yeah. he was wonderful he was uh, appreciative it was a great interview we can't wait for you guys to listen to it but yeah right at the top please go follow uh, vamp after dark uh on instagram it's it's an all vamp love page and uh we really appreciate the the support that they've that they've given us here so thank you yeah. thank you so much to that yeah thank you you know there's a lot of fan pages out there and and I'm not knocking any of them. Um, however, uh, you know, a lot of fan pages are devoted to movies that are very popular. Obviously, Star Wars and franchise and Aliens and all that good stuff. But for for Vamp After Dark to uh, for there to be a Vamp uh, page that's devoted with some really cool pictures on their on their page, uh, it's really it's really neat. And you know, Arrow Arrow fairly recently uh, a little over a year ago i suppose put out a pristine oh, yeah. 
deluxe edition Blu-ray of this film, which is not that inexpensive, and I highly recommend you pick it up. That's what uh, never... that's what Zach sent to me. I was not expecting an Arrow Blu-ray when I opened it, and uh, it's beautiful. I uh, love the cover art on it, but it has a fantastic 45-minute, um, you know, making of uh, vamp and it's it's great and I we, we both made sure we watched that before we interviewed Richard Wank so we wouldn't kind of like overlap and I think we did a good job of not actually covering the things that they already cover very well in in the the documentary so if you like vamp I'm sure you already own that arrow blu-ray but if you don't pick it up it's it's worth it if if for that 45 minute uh, making of it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna hear a lot of stuff in that inter- in that uh, docu, which is great, and then you're gonna hear a lot of stuff in our interview, which is great. Some is similar, but a lot of it's different. Uh, we don't just talk about Vamp; we talk about his uh, extensive career, of which he has one. And we all, and as you know, we always bring up stuff that I'm gonna say no one else brings up. We really do. I mean, I don't think anyone brought up the the band of one of the songs in the movie um <laughs> and that connection there I, I i doubt it and if they did just not as good as us because i'm just going to be a little cocky for a second we're really good at what we do because by the end of the interview he was like so happy and so thrilled to be on our show uh toot toot and real quick this movie has a lot of connective tissue to one of our favorite and earliest movies that we've reviewed was Tough Turf with yeah. uh, James Spader and Robert Downey Jr. The producer uh, for that movie was also the same producer for this film and the cinematographer for Vamp. Uh, he was not the cinematographer um, on Tough Turf but he was the camera operator on Tough Turf so this is his uh, first full on cinematography uh, role and he went on to do a bunch of stuff. I- I'm blanking on his name and i apologize for that let me just pull it up real quick it, it actually is is it elliot davis yeah elliot yeah davis yeah so he went on, yeah. he went on to do some good stuff and i think yeah, that out of sight it just yeah. say out of sight and, and that's that a is, movie that i freaking love by the way I mean, twilight but uh things to do in they denver were. when you're dead is a really good movie by the way yeah and, and I think that one of the things that really helps st- make this movie stand out is the cinematography, uh, especially the oh. outside nighttime shots with that kind of purple and uh, green uh, kind of thrown up on all the buildings and everything. It's just like it looks fantastic. So yeah. I, it, the whole crew, cast and crew, is just of this film, and we'll get into it probably right now. Um, it's it's unbelievably good, and I think that's where the – that's why it stands the test of time from the largest roles to the smallest roles. Everybody's bringing something awesome to the role. Yeah. I'm just going to, because you mentioned him, I'm just going to say Don Borchers is the producer. Yeah. Uh, and, and <laughs> it would not surprise me if he's a guest on our show down the road because he's produced uh, quite a few movies that, that we, a, have covered or B will be covering children of the corn Two yep. moon junction, uh, tough turf, obviously an angel. I, we know that, um, you know, our boy, David irons, he loves his angel series. So he, I love a good, uh, revenge movie. So do I. So do I. Yeah, I, I would love doesn't? to cover everything you just mentioned that we didn't already cover. I would be down to uh, from Children of the Corn to Angel. I love all those movies. I mean, Children of the Corn's got John Philbin in it, and uh, you yeah. know, buddy of the show. So, and I grew up watching the hell out of that movie as a kid with Luke. So, oh hell yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> um, yeah, but let's get into the uh, the the um, the cast and crew really quick. As as we said, Richard Wink uh, directed it. Uh, I'm not going to talk about his other films that he directed because he he's kind of chuckled at it too. It's uh, it kind of 
runs the gamut of some uh, interesting well attack of the five foot two woman is great but um i i well i will bring up you know uh just the ticket you know he made a movie in in 98 called just the ticket with um andy garcia and, and andy mcdowell and it's it's a really good movie i remember seeing it back in the day i haven't seen it in decades but i just remember thinking it was a really really well done film uh but he he wrote the magnificent seven remake uh equalizer 16 blocks which was directed by richard donner rest in peace i like um, 16 blocks i enjoyed I, that film yeah i mean look we we did bring up the fact that uh he did expendables too and out of all the expendables films that's our favorite one yeah and that was the one we actually saw yeah. together so probably that's why we enjoyed it the most yeah probably i think so i think so <laughs> uh but but to get into the cast and it's kind of a who's who of of, of very cool names starting at the top Chris Make Peace, which, by the way, one of the coolest last names on the planet. Make Peace. If that is not, if that's his given name, uh, I want to meet his parents because I want to see if they're as cool as he is. Chris Make Peace. You'll know him from My Bodyguard uh, and Meatballs as a as a kid actor. Uh, he was in a movie called The Last Chase with uh, Lee Majors, which actually you should seek out. I think uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 might have done a, an episode on it. Uh, but shit, it's like it's in our wheelhouse of cult movies. Of course. But uh, one of my favorite movies of his, uh, besides the other three, the other two I mentioned, My Bodyguard and Meatballs, which are both great. He was in Aloha Summer. If you've never seen that movie, I highly recommend it. It's it's not available on DVD or Blu-ray, I think, at the moment. Um, hopefully it will be. Everything gets released down the road, but that's that would be one I would like. You know, Pad, hopefully we'll do like a our, – one of our pipe dreams is to have like a production label where we like put out movies that are yeah. undiscovered. Uh, if I did that for $2 late fee, it would be a $2 late fee movie because it's so um, – it's a coming of age, um, you know, in the same vein as Shag, where it's like a group of guys, though, going to Hawaii for the summer. Really cool flick. Great cast. Um, and I th- I've seen Meatballs, obviously. Yeah, man, it's been a long time since dude. I've seen Meatballs, to, to be truthful with you. I've seen uh, My Bodyguard as well, but again, that one's been a long time. So when I'm watching this, he's almost kind of new to me, you know what I mean? Even though it's been, even though I have seen those, it's been so long that he's new to me. And I'm just like, I couldn't take my eyes off of him. I'll, maybe it was those beautiful blue eyes that he has. Those, but You love those blue I do, eyes. I do. And I get sucked into him. But like... <laughs> He has an energy to him. He has a, a, a confidence to him. He has uh, something, the X factor. He has that X factor that everyone talks about. And, yeah, I, I loved watching him. And, and, obviously, his rapport with Robert Russler and everything. Uh, on, on And we'll get into him in a second. Yeah. But, yeah, dude, Chris Makepeace as Keith freaking loved him, dude. Yeah, he um... – I said to Richard Wank that this movie reminded me or would be a nice uh, double feature with After Hours, directed by Martin Scorsese, my favorite Martin Scorsese movie. Um, and Griffin Dunn is the lead in that. He he reminds me of Griffin Dunn in his performance of like, you know, I'm, I've, re- I've had a really bad day, yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. It's it's so true. They're, they're nice counter pieces to each other. Um, but yeah, he's great. He's great. Robert Russler is probably the most well-known of the lead actors to our audience because he was in A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. He was in Weird Science. He was in 
thrashing, and he was in Shag. Uh, the guy also owns, and uh, if Corey doesn't know this, I'm about to blow his mind. He o- he owns Arsenal on Lincoln, which used to be the Polish... Um, Warsawas? Warsawas, yeah, which is now called Arsenal. That was and- my favorite restaurant in Santa Monica. We've had my birthday there multiple years because yep. uh, I love their pierogies. Um, yep, I had no clue... Uh, that it was owned by him. But here's the thing. I recognize Robert Rustler. Uh, I had seen Nightmare on Elm Street as a kid. I've seen Weird Science. I've seen Thrashing. I've seen Shag. I've seen all these movies. But I never paid attention to him per se until last year uh, when I rewatched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Um because that was a movie that Luke and I had seen a lot as a kid, but it was never one of the high ones that we'd put into rotation because it, you know, it's kind of interesting and different. I actually really like it. I, I think it's interesting. But yep. for me, what really stood out was how awesome his character Ron was and yeah. how like warm he was. And like, at first, you know, and I was like, you're watching it and he's the nice guy, whereas the, the protagonist is kind of the dick to him. And now in this movie, well, cause, I'm cause like he's going through his sexual. Uh, right. Of, of course. And, and, <laughs> and, and anyone can, you know, obviously look into a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and everything. But. So so now he's like so now Robert Russell is sort of in my on my radar and we watch we're watching Vamp and I freaking love him in Vamp and I'm almost now having this what you're doing with Wings Hauser where you're going back and we're kind of rewatching all these Wings Hauser stuff I'm having a resurgence love affair with Robert Russler and I'm <laughs> loving everything that I'm seeing him in and I'm like why wasn't I like loving this guy when I was a kid you know what I mean so it's it, this movie in in Nightmare on Elm Street Two has really put him back into my you know uh, radar and everything. I, I I can't wait to honestly. I really want to rewatch Thrashing. I haven't seen that in freaking forever. Oh, I mean he's part he's leader of the Daggers in Thrashing and and and, and uh, you know he's the lead hunk in Shag and I got him uh, not mixed up but always kind of. Well, yeah, a little interchangeable with our our buddy Jesus Garcia. Hundred yeah, percent, I can see that, and that's and I think me too. As yeah. a kid, I thought they were you know probably the same person. I didn't, I couldn't really tell the the difference when you're you know twelve years old, you know. Yeah, and yeah, you, you throw uh, George Clooney into the mix at the time, and they all look the same. They had mm-hmm. very similar hairstyle, very hunky boy, strong chins, strong chin. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so so Robert Russler uh, is his stud. He's a stud. I'd love to get him on the show. Hopefully, we will down the road because you know he's to. a local guy. He's a Santa Monica guy, and a new parent or new. I think his wife just had kids or something. We follow. I we follow him on Instagram. He's very active on there. Rounding out the male leads is Getty Watanabe, who plays Duncan, um, <laughs> who wonderfully plays Duncan. I mean, if you, <laughs> what an what an energy he brings to this role. I mean, he, yeah, besides besides playing the donger, Long Duck Dong and Sixteen <laughs> Candles, UHF, you know, uh, Gremlins 2, uh, he's so great. He's so, I mean, UHF, it's, it's so funny in that. I love that movie, You might have to do too. that movie down. I love that movie, too. It's, it's so awesome. Great. It's actually a movie I don't think I can show Bodhi yet. I just think it's too, like, yeah. it's too wild. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's great in this as Duncan. Um, and... I'm going to get to I'm going to let uh, Corey introduce one of the actors in a second. But but I'm going to first talk about uh, D.D. Pfeiffer, who plays Allison. 
Oh, I still have a crush on her. She's just, Dude, I, I just developed one as well. Because, <laughs> you know, Rich, uh, he was ta- Richard Wank was talking about how she was kind of like the muse on set. And I can I can see that. I can her see energy, that you know, completely different for, from Getty's, obviously. But her energy just meshed perfectly with everything. And she everyone's uh, energies on this film kind of perfectly blended together to bring something different in every single scene. But I, I loved seeing her in this film. Film. To be truthful with you, I don't really have much experience with her looking through her IMDb credits. Well, well, um, I highly recommend the All Nighter. The All Nighter okay. um, at the in '87. Now, probably in maybe when I hit puberty, I had wished it was rated R. But um, but the All Nighter is is great. I love that movie, The All Nighter. She was in Falling Down. She's Frankie and Johnny. She's got such a unique presence and so good, so good. But we'll get all we'll get to all that later when she gets introduced into the movie. Yeah, somebody named Grace Jones plays the lead vampire. Yeah, they're they're, they're nobody. They're they're not a big name or a big deal or anything. <laughs> Grace Jones, she's an icon. She Jesus is I, you Grace put, you put her up there. Put her up there with uh, every. Uh, I don't know, like. Uh, I'm thinking of like Brigitte Nielsen, Tawny Katane, um, Cher, uh, just like iconic presence, model, beautiful, like multifaceted um, performers that uh, she's still obviously going strong, but she's deeper than all of those because, well, yeah, you know, she's, she's got like a, she's, she's such an artist yeah. and she hangs out in the art community. Her whole backstory is so in- amazing. And also too, and this may sound a little ignorant, but the fact that she was, you know, very, uh, very unique in the mm-hmm. way she looked and she was perceived across the board as being super sexy and beautiful. And at a time when we were kind of going with like blonde hair, blue eyed beauties yeah. or like brunette beauties, Grace Jones definitely doesn't fit any box. She's outside the box down the street. Like you can't even, she's so far from the box. Um, and she plays Katrina, the the lead vampire. I know the, the arrow Blu-ray has a beautiful uh, like new cover art, but the reverse is the original art, the original poster, uh, or one of the original posters. I love it yeah, me too. more. Uh, then it always stood out to me as a kid, and I still love it to this day. But she plays Katrina. And she doesn't utter a word in the film uh, nope. because – and that was apparently her decision. And she, what she really wanted to emulate was uh, Max Schreck in, in Nos, um, Nosferatu, the the silent black-and-white German film, uh, German exp- – uh, German expressionism film. Sorry, good lord. Um, and I think that was really cool of her. I, I think she was, I think she was in tune with 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 you know how vampires were perceived on film. I think she was in tune with how she wanted to sort of change things. And I, I like everything they sort of did with her. And but I think she also wanted to pay homage to filmic vampires prior. And uh, yeah, it, it's 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 cool because it seemed like she was in on the joke. You know what I mean? She understood yep. Yep. what the joke was. What everyone was sort of doing there and if you watch the the documentary there's a lot of talk about it but apparently she was very present she was there for rehearsals and all this kind of stuff so that's really cool yeah she's she's a gem i mean she's 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 a diamond in the rough like one in a million mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there will never be ever in the history of the world there was never a grace jones before her and there will never be a grace jones after her agreed agreed um yeah well we will obviously when we get to her presence and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what makes it so cool when she 
enters the screen for the first time. Some side characters in the movie, uh, obviously supporting, but 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 standouts in their own way. Billy Drago plays Snow. Billy Drago, Billy effing Drago is from, you know, Invasion USA, Delta Force 2, Death Game. <laughs> Enough said. Billy Drago. I love Billy Drago. Rest in peace. I love that dude. So cool. So he has cool. a really good um, story. He tells some good stories about making the movie and everything on the documentary. So we're not getting paid by Arrow, guys and gals. So it's, it's don't think of this as any kind of like paid endorsement, but it's a really good documentary. It's a really good uh, Blu-ray. And uh, the only I kind of the only person they don't really talk to on on the documentary is Grace Jones, um, but the stories they tell more than make up for it. Yeah, and, and Richard, you know, Richard told a, a few fun stories as well in the interview. So, um, so there's uh, there's one more character in the movie, uh, one more actor that that will 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 spotlight in the beginning here. Um, but I'm gonna let Corey do the honors of, of talking about him. Would you yeah. please? <laughs> Who, who who else will we mention in this movie? So I love Vic, the maitre d' of the whole place. Um, specifically, yeah, it's his name is Sandy Barron, uh, who plays him. He unfortunately passed away in 2001. He was in The Grifters, which is a 1990 movie with John Cusack that Great is movie. one of my favorite thrillers when I was a kid. Um, if it comes out on a good Blu-ray, we will be doing The Grifters because I love that movie. I actually have that on Laserdisc, guys and gals. Wow. Um, it's, but It's kind of an iconic uh, noir it is. It is. But what I know and love, Sandy Barron, he plays Jack Klompus on Seinfeld, uh, which was the famous astronaut pin episode. Um, but he was basically Morty Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld's dad, and Morty Seinfeld's neighbor in uh, in Florida. And he pops up during the course of the entire series. Um, he actually has a couple of little story arcs and everything. But freaking Jack Klompus had no clue he was going to pop up in vamp. And so like when I'm watching, I'm like, and I hear his voice and I'm like, that's fucking Jack Columbus. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's awesome. So my mind was blown. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. The guy, uh, he, he's got such a unique look to him. It looks like he should have been in every gangster movie back in the eighties, in the seventies. Uh, I would have loved to take in a, some scissors to his eyebrows. I, I, just, I know. I, I don't get that dude. I don't get, I know. I'm just, I know that I'm very particular about like my upkeep of my facial hair and everything, but damn, I would never let my eyebrows get longer than a quarter of an inch or half an inch. We've we've talked about this multiple times, how back in the day, um, probably before, um, before American Psycho, Guys never did any grooming to anything above their beard. And and we I always go back, I don't know why, but I always go back to Railsback and uh and Life Force. And the man's oh, like poor Steve Railsback. I, I mean the man's like 30 in Life Force, and yet he's got like this like unibrow and like it's just like because it just it's didn't happen back then. But Sandy Barron, he they definitely made full use of his crazy old man eyebrows. It, 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 it fits. It fits who he is. But, man, those are some crazy ones. So, but, uh, but you know, Dee Dee Pfeiffer, Allison, is so pretty. So, uh, you know, and still is, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously, besides all of that, I just want to bring up the fact that, uh, you know, Fright Night, one of my favorite films of all time, Vamp, 
Lost Boys, the, put those three vampire movies together, I think quite possibly those are the three, my favorite anyways, my three favorite vampire movies. I'm not going to... I'm not going to say the movie we're going to bring up in a little bit later is a vampire movie. I'm going to say it's a hybrid because mm-hmm. it deals with the kind of zombified type people too. So, yeah. um, can I, yeah. can I, can I put it on, on record officially? I like this better than Fright Night. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but you got, you guys all know how I feel about Fright Night. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and right out of the gate, I was like, right when this was over, I was like, I like this better than Fright Night. I would watch I'm, this over and over again. I'm sure Richard appreciates that. Um, me not so much. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but but I think the two of those together, who baby, who baby. Uh, and but, but, but I will say, two of them together make for a perfectly themed uh, double feature. Yeah, no doubt about that. No, I again agree with you. Um, but without further ado, let's jump right into Vamp. <laughs> Do you ever have one of those nights? Hey, where are we going? Ah, doesn't matter. What counts is that you're my buddy. <laughs> my day didn't start off too well. We be looking for you. Are we chumpy tonight? And then... It got worse. We're here. And then, gentlemen, I give you Katrina. You're just what I'm looking for. Why'd you pick on us? It's a mistake. It was a little error there, a little communication error. I'm sorry. Uh oh. Let's just get out of here. This is not really happening. Hello, baby. God, you look awful. What happened to you? I was nearly hung. I got into a fight with a psychotic albino. I ate a cockroach, my best friend disappeared, and then I'm nearly assassinated by a runaway elevator. Anyone can have an off night? Vamp, a comedy with bite. And of course, Grace Jones. All right, the movie opens on the beautiful New World Pictures logo. Oh my god, I love it so much. It's it's so much. It's funny, my my breakdown notes always start with how much I love whatever the studio logo is that comes up. And my first note is I love seeing that New World Pictures. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. And New World obviously became New Line. Yeah. And New Line got acquired by Warner Brothers. And the rest is unfortunate history. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, opens on that and then cuts to, like, very gothic music. Like, <laughs> not like that, but you get the picture. This yeah. is very gothic. And there's, there's a bell ringing. Um And you open on dudes in, like, these, these long white uh, cloaks escorting two young men one shirtless the other close to it uh down a open hallway outside and they go into like a very gothic looking building looks like it could be it could be a church or a bell tower or something like that uh leads them into a room 
when the room opens up, you see a guy hanging from a noose <laughs> in one window in these gothic windows. And then they set the other two men uh, with nooses around their necks. And you realize it's soon to be revealed that it's AJ and Keith uh, getting ready to be hung. And you're like, what the hell is going on? This is a great way to open the movie, by the way, because yeah. you're like, wait, what what movie am I watching here? <laughs> I, and you, I mean, <laughs> me going in fresh, uh, also kind of, you know, knowing that this might be a little bit comedic, didn't know that it was going to be as much of a comedy as it, as it is. Um, me going in fresh. Whew, no idea where this scene is going. Is this somehow an origin story? Like, I don't know what I'm seeing right now at all. Which is beautiful. I mm-hmm. love that. I love that you were taken by surprise. I had even forgotten. I hadn't seen this movie in like maybe 10 or 15 years. So, um, so I had forgotten the way it opened up, but there's one guy in a red cloak. Who's like the leader of this, this uh, cult uh, and he starts speaking. He says, you know, welcome to your worst nightmare, which turns out to be Christopher Plummer. At first, I was like, it sounds like Max von Sydow, which is funny because Max von Sydow and Christopher Plummer are together in Dreamscape, bada bing, bada boom. But it sounds British at first. And, uh, and he says, you are about to make the ultimate sacrifice, the supreme test of immortality, the supreme sacrifice. And it cuts to AJ and Keith looking at each other, looking a little scared, a little nervous. Uh, and then as it starts to continue, the voice gets jumbled and it cuts to a like tape recorder and you realize whatever is being spoken is coming out of the tape recorder and the tape, the tape is being eaten and it's like being spooled out. <laughs> 1980s problems, guys and gals. Yeah. Back when uh, tapes, tapes had tape in them. <laughs> uh, AJ, who's shirtless and, uh, and, and yells out, cut, you know, and, and, and so the, the guy, the leader in the red cloak tries to continue. He shows his neck and he's, it looks like he had a, a noose burned around his neck. Um, uh, but he's still talking, but instead of sounding like this, he's like, you will uh, have the supreme sacrifice. <laughs> His voice isn't cracking, but he's like this young dude. And AJ is like, no, stop, stop. Time out, time out. And, uh, and then he's like, I'd rather hang than listen to this. Um, and then he's like, this isn't a frat house. It's a halfway house for morons. <laughs> the spooky costumes, the phony hangings. Guys, give me a break. And the, the guy in the red's like, silence, pledge. And he's like, the Delta Phi Psi, the Del- what is it? Delta Psi Phi initiation has just begun. And AJ's like, I get it. I get it. They're trying, you're trying to bore us to death. Well, it's working. And I like and, how they look at the one guy that was the body there hanging. And it, now that you know it's all fake, like his eyes are open. He's looking at him. They look up at him. He just kind of shrugs, you know. Well, type of well thing. yeah, because AJ, AJ gets down off, takes the noose off. So does Keith. And AJ, who's shirtless, starts putting his clothes on. He's like, guys, guys, who wrinkled my, cr- who wrinkled my clothes? <laughs> and he looks over at the dead guy, and the dead guy's like, not me. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, the shirt that AJ wears in this scene, oh man, it looks so freaking awesome. Like, oh, he's got the best style. It's contemporary in 2021. It's insane. Everything in this movie is contemporary it, in 2021. It's funny. Everybody it, would be rocking this. So I just want to say real quick, back when um, when Star Wars and New Hope got re-released in the theaters in the late 90s, it happened to coincide when, for some reason, there was a, a, a microcosm of a moment where, like, 70s hairstyles were, were back in, in vogue for a second. Yeah. And it's weird because seeing Star Wars A New Hope in the theater, for that one moment, 
freaking Luke Skywalker's hair was contemporary in like 1996 because of that fad. And so yeah. now watching all of these movies in 2021 and having friends like like David and Roxy Drive and stuff like and you know she exemplifies like she loves that kind of stuff. Like yeah. all the things that like Dee Dee's wearing in this film, like Allison, you know, I'm like it looks like something Roxy would wear and like it feels like I would see this on Instagram now, you know. Oh. She's rocking the, uh, I mean, obviously it's not shaved, but she's rocking the sideways yeah. st- hairstyle thing that has very much come back into vogue. And right I don't now. think it'll be this way for much longer. I think we're just lucky that right now, this we're now living in another one of those microcosms where these yeah. things actually feel contemporary. It's really weird to watch it because you're like, is this now? Is this back then? I hope I hope it stays because Me I too. love it. But, I do too. Um, but yeah, they're, AJ and Keith are kind of pissed off because they're like, this isn't what we expected. This is like the initiation to the, for the pledges for this frat. This is lame. And uh, and it's kind of revealed that AJ, the only reason why he wants to join the frat is because they got a great setup. You know, the plush, con- what does he say? He says, plush accommodations, cable television, continental cuisine, right? <laughs> it's like, come on, instead of making us do this, like, why don't we you know, do something else for you? And, uh, and, and, and the leader of the frat's like, well, what can you do for us? And he's like, look, booze is easy. We can provide that. But anything, anything you need from us, and and we're in. You know, we'll be, we'll join your, your, we'll join your fraternity. And and the guy's like, anything. <laughs> and then Keith's like, Keith's like, excuse us, guys, one second. Uh, and he brings him over. He's like, listen, AJ, I'm really excited about the way this is going, but I'm a little concerned about this anything part. Couldn't you have said a a thing or something <laughs> and it's like i love that kind of... i love and it's gonna be something that keeps going with it but i love yeah. the fact that keith is aware of how loaded the phrase anything is yeah. it's, it's good it's dangerous and i love it but also i love their rapport as aj is kind of talking at the guys keith is behind him kind of backing him up sort of anticipating his his dialogue and I know uh, because of the the DVD documentary and speaking to Richard Wank, um, they really you know really tried to make sure that this was the case that you really got the sense that AJ and uh, Keith were lifelong friends and through that you have to you, we all know like your friends will just you'll, you'll back the other person up you'll know what they're gonna say because you've been friends for so long it felt like it dude it felt like it right here right out of the gate I felt their relationship yeah ditto ditto and. And, and so, uh, you know, AJ's like, Keith, Keith, relax, guys. You know, l- look, these guys are operating on empty. I'll take care of this. Trust me. And it's funny because this is, I, like you said, a reoccurring theme throughout. AJ, AJ's like, you know, charismatic and cool and can essentially it's already been painted the picture that he can get them out of any situation or maybe into every situation <laughs> yeah, depending on how you look at it. So from there, it just cuts, right? It cuts to AJ and Keith leaving the church with their clothes on. And you're kind of, it's like modern day. You realize they're now at a college, which in the background, I'm looking at the background of the shot and it looks like a city in the back. But then it's also kind of alluded to that they're in the middle of nowhere with this private college. 
So it's a little confusing. Yeah. So so I'm th- so they're supposed to be in Kansas. I mean, they don't really say, but you see in their dorm they have a Kansas uh, thing up there. Um, the the school itself is is USC. They filmed at USC, and, and clearly yeah. it's not Kansas if that's where it's supposed to be, especially when they're driving in a little bit. Um, but one thing that I thought was really cool. But the the cinematographer was like a big fan of German expressionism films like uh, Nosferatu and uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which I personally love. And uh, if you ever want to see a a modernized take on that, uh, go watch Living Dead Girl uh, video by Rob Zombie, and he that's pretty much like he, he you know ripped off or homaged you know Dr. Caligari. But that sort of look where there's a lot of shadows and everything coming through the window. So if you watch on this scene where they go into their dorm, you see like the shadow of the like very hard lights like like. Uh, uh, source lights coming through the windows and everything and it and the way it's lit is supposed to have this German expressionism throughout the film and that makes scenes like this uh, where they're in a dorm more interesting because there's more stuff to look at yeah totally I be, I, I want to back up just a minute because as they're walking out of the college it sets up the rest of the movie because um, you know Keith's like uh, we got to get a stripper by tonight. And, and, uh, and he's like, this is great. I can't wait to, I can't wait to see you get us out of this one. And it obviously <laughs> alludes to the fact that he's gotten him out of a lot of situations. And AJ's like, after all these years, you don't trust me. And Keith's like the truth. And he goes, no. And he, and, and AJ goes, no lie to me. He goes, yeah, I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> and then they cut to the dorm. And, and when they're in the dorm, it's great because, Keith is like it already sets up the fact that he knows how to shoot a bow and arrow because yep. he shoots a, a, a an arrow through his wall and knocks an apple off, uh, which is funny. It just and I love that because it's like okay, you know he's proficient with a bow and arrow now. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to do. One quick scene. That's it. You don't have to have a whole lot of exposition about it. And they're kind of arguing about like uh, AJ's on the phone. Fu- so AJ comes in. This is really funny. He comes in on the phone. But he's carrying a pay phone, a pay phone. <laughs> he's carrying a pay phone with him, like that you ripped off the wall or something like that. And like clearly you can't get talk to people on that. But whatever, it's it, it's just funny, you know. And I love how you know Keith's like, well, you know what? What do we really need to kind of go through all this? And I like how AJ's like, okay, walks to their dorm door, opens it, and there's just yeah. pure chaos outside the door. And he just like goes like, see, and then closes the door. I'm like, that was great. I love that. <laughs> it's really, really funny. Yeah, it's really funny because AJ's like trying to call. He's calling up various people trying to get them to be a stripper, like friends of his, I guess, or wimp, girls that he knows. And in in yeah, that, yeah. I love that shot of like all the chaos in the dorm room. You're like, oh yeah, I wouldn't, I don't blame him. Yeah. I want to get out of there too. <laughs> and then he, AJ's like, how much money you got? And uh, cause Keith's like, well, look, we're like 200 miles from civilization. We, we can't, we're not going to get anybody. We're not going to get a stripper for this, you know? And uh, he's like, it's not worth it. And then they open up the door, obviously. And AJ's like, how much money you got? And uh, he's like, I got 82 bucks together. We got a total of 168. He's like that with a little charm should get us a stripper and one deadly number. Now, all we need are some wheels because he wants to go search and go to the big city 200 miles away. No, I'm going to say more like maybe, you know, 45 miles away or whatever. (laughs) Uh, and, And they both look at each other and they both go Duncan. Right. Duncan's the guy to get him. You cut to a what looks like a very posh um, frat room or dorm room. And there's a dude uh, playing golf and he has a guy narrating for him. 
Yeah. <laughs> Duncan Springs. Duncan Spriggs unleashes a monstrous drive right down the center of the fairway. He's like doing commentary while <laughs> Getty Watanabe's character, Duncan, is put- putting. Um, and AJ and Keith walk in and he's like, hey, guys. And AJ's like, hey, you have a car, right? And uh, and then Duncan's Duncan's like he kind of has this kind of cool attitude, almost like um, like a nerdy version of uh, Damone from Fast Times. Oh. Like picture Damone like as a smooth talker, but he's a nerd, right? Yeah. He's it, yeah, talking like Damone, but in Getty's body and everything and, <laughs> yeah. and energy. And Doesn't have the attitude. He's missing the attitude. And honestly, from this moment on, it is perfect. He is amazing <laughs> the entire time. He is so much fun to watch. Um, he's so... So weird, but at the same time, doesn't take you out of the movie. He he, he no. walks no. the line between, I don't know if a person like this could possibly exist, but at the same time, you're like, I hope that someone does because it's, I love him. He Duncan is a great character. Yeah, he's so great. He's so great. And, and I like, because uh, immediately he's like backpedaling from whatever they're asking him because he's like, looks, listen, I'll pay for the damages. I shouldn't have parked the car there anyways. What car was it anyways? And and Keith's like, what? No, he's like, no, no, we, we need a car. And uh, and AJ's like, yeah, we're taking a trip and we need to, you know, we need some wheels. And he's like, hey, guys, where are you going? Suddenly there's a buzzer that goes off and it cuts to these people at all these computer monitors getting up and leaving. And they're giving Duncan like tests that they worked on. So picture the scene in Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield yeah. when he basically hired a bunch of people to do all his homework for him. It's the same kind that, of idea like that. That's that's the that's what I was getting from it. I was like, this is like Back to School, dude. It's totally Back to School. Uh, and he's like, look, but he but instead of, you know, uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character, Melon, being popular and everyone loves him, no one can stand Duncan. And they're all yeah. leaving, wanting to get, get away. And he's like trying to keep them to stay. He's like, look, guys, I ordered a pizza. I'm and uh, one random guy's like, well, I'm a vegetarian. He's like, I'm buying. And, and he another guy's like, well, here's your Russian lit essay. And he's like, oh, great. Listen, anytime you guys want to catch a movie, give me a buzz. All right. And everyone leaves. Yeah. It's it's kind of sad in, in, a, in a little bit. It is bit. sad. Yeah. He's a very sad character, actually. He so just, he just wants friends. That's all he, he wants. That's all he wants. It's fucking and, sad, man. It's, it's really sad. Because um, after they all leave, he turns around to AJ and Keith. He's like, it'd be a pleasure helping you guys. He's like, can I still call you guys, right? Can I? <laughs> He's like, come on, sit da- sit down, relax, kick back, dudes. You know, I mostly get your basic dorks hanging around here. They seem to gravitate towards me because you realize, oh, he's a dork. Right? He's, he's, he's like, a dork. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. And this is when he busts out like a, a meat cold, tray, a cold meat, meat tray. tray. He's like, guys, dig in. And I'm like, oh, this is so sad. He just wants friends. And there's really nothing wrong with him. He just wants friends, but he's a dork. I I had a coworker like that uh, one time where he invited everybody, all the other teachers to come over to his house for, for like a hangout and you get to his house and he's got a cold cut tray out. And I don't think he had bagels, but he had like crackers and cheese. And then he had pictures of himself from his life, like for everyone to look at, I guess, so they could get to know him. And I'm like, oh, why do I want to see a photo of you when you were six? Like what? What? That doesn't. Oh, I want to drink and watch a movie and, you know, joke about shit. Like, Stories wanna... like that make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was really sad. 
Yeah, it's really sad. Oh, it was a housewarming, I think, and Ugh. he had no furniture. Ugh. It was really weird. Anyways, uh, except for a table. So, yeah, Duncan's like, I'm surprised I haven't seen you two up here before. And then you, I wrote that down. I'm like, wait, is he kind of alluding that they're dorks then? <laughs> when they're so clearly not dorks. Not. And he's like, this place is usually swinging. You had a, uh, there was a little bit of uh, what's his face from Terror Vision in this, like the dad in yeah, Terror Vision. And and Yasu, guys. And a little bit of Larry from Three's Company. Totally Larry. <laughs> and he's like, come on, fellas, eat. And he's like, so taking a trip, right? Need a ride, huh? Well, you're in luck. And he walks over to his fridge and there's like uh, one key hanging on a hook. Like he's like I've got a valet service or something. And he has like some kind of like forms for them to fill out as well. <laughs> yeah. He's got the whole thing going on. You like know, he's running a car <laughs> rental service. Yeah. He's like, no, I normally don't charge the. A-. He goes, now, normally I charge the average. And AJ's like, wait, what? What are you talking about? And Keith's like, yeah, we were thinking you could do us more of a favor to be returned and duncan's like hmm well that's new i like that one hand washes the other right <laughs> and they just like right yeah so if there's anything anything and duncan's like i already know i want to be friends <laughs> i just want to be friends i just want to be friends he's like take me with you <laughs> take me with you guys again saddest thing in the world <laughs> so sad and he's like all right all right I, this is kind of funny because he's like just take me with you you think okay just wants to do it for one the one day but then he goes all right all right take me with you and be my friends for a week <laughs> and they're like and they're like but and he's like uh, just pretend to be my friends for a week <laughs> and they look at each other and then they cut to the three of them in a car and duncan's in the back seat he's like this this is fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. And now they cut to, like, they are driving through clearly, like, Simi Valley or something like that. And, yeah. you know, it's and going on dirt roads and things. And I'm yeah. like, I've driven through Kansas with driving cross country, and there are not – it does not look anything like that. Now, granted, they never said this was Kansas. They they could have just had the, the – I don't know what those – what are those triangular flags that have school names on them? I'm sure there's a name for them you know but that's what they had hanging in their in their in their dorm room and it pendants. said Kansas. yeah what, what is it pendants pendants yeah. okay yeah, yeah. And, and that and so it said kansas on there but that doesn't mean that this has to necessarily take place in kansas and i like the fact that there is this surreal dreamlike quality to the movie um but kind of picking up on the oz uh, cues in this film i do think Kansas is on purpose. Like it, oh, I yeah. do think that they are in Kansas, and there are a lot of Wizard of Oz sort of references and, and parallels to this, um, but they're definitely not driving through Kansas. That's, no, that's no, flat and cornfields. This is hilly and you know desert and everything. It's yeah, clearly. And they're on their way to a city that looks like San Francisco to me, but yeah, uh, you know, but not downtown L.A. But, but then they're then they film in downtown L.A., which is yeah, yeah. It's just really similar that like. You know, in uh, same big buildings vibe. Yeah, but, but it is uh, it is California. But no doubt. but in in during the drive, uh, you know, AJ and Keith are in the front seat of the car, and they're singing that like Doctor Doctor, give me the news. You know, uh, they're singing these songs. But what I love about it is they're getting the lyrics sometimes wrong. They're doing it like people do it. Like you sort of sing what you know, you kind of hum what you don't know, you kind of raise back up when you, when you yeah. get to the lyrics again that you do know. And I was like. That was weirdly accurate in the way that they were sort of like singing, but at the same time, it was great. You, all of this is perfect relationship buildup between AJ and Keith. 
It really is. It's what's funny is while they're singing that, uh, Duncan's like, "Hey guys, I'm psyched. Let's party. Where are we going? Doesn't matter. What counts is that you're my buddies." <laughs> and, <laughs> For <yeah>. a week. <laughs> yeah, they're just ignoring him because they're they're singing, and and AJ's got these killer sunglasses on that have like these blockers on the side to yeah. keep the sun out. And uh, yeah, I, I wrote down the lyrics. They're like, uh, they, yeah, they're singing Doctor Doctor and. And he goes, no pills, shake, shake my fist. <laughs> yeah, but, the, but that's what's great about it because you could yeah. have easily written it that they're just singing the lyrics, but it's more realistic this way and I think more endearing this way. Yeah, and while they're singing, uh, Duncan's now looking at a newspaper, like uh, the adult section, I guess, of the newspaper because he goes, tallywhackers, hey guys, boobarama, strip search, meat rack. <laughs> like, because that's not in the... In the subtitles of the movie, when he says meat rack, because it must have been improvised. <laughs> meat <I guess>. rack. <laughs> and then AJ's like, let me have that. And he grabs a newspaper out of his hands and he's like, and he goes, oh, he's looking at the clubs. He's like, yeah, this is it. This one right here. I can feel it. And Keith l- grabs the newspaper and he's like, the After Dark Club, the hottest acts anywhere. Guys, sounds classy. Do you think we have to call for reservations? And Duncan's <laughs> like, I'm ready. We are ready. And, and, and the only thing I want to call out is, did you notice the license plate on the car yeah. says one of nine? One of nine. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> and in, by the way, the second time I watched it, yeah, there were nine empty. Uh, there were nine hooks on that keychain. I was like, ah, very, very cool. Nice, very nice, impressive. I wonder if it was the first key on the hook. I got to go back. It was the last one. It, it was in oh, order, so it was the last one. Go. So yep, it, yep weirdly it's like of all the things to sort of get right they got that right completely i mean damn richard on point the continuity and then as we as you guys know we love our continuity and when there's lack of it it really sucks Mm -hmm. so uh so they cut to the big city which yeah first i'm like that looks like san francisco but yeah makes sense that it's downtown la and as they're first getting in there you see them drive past uh, a sign that says spring street and i used to live on sixth and spring uh from the look of it that could have been actually that could have been like they could have been going down sixth fifth or seventh one of those streets uh ted heading towards um uh skid row slash the fashion district but Uh. i was like i was like oh spring street there it is my old meld street that's cool that's really cool good 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 spot dude good spot so duncan duncan again guys like he's looking kind of around and and then keith's like we're not in kansas anymore because it's a big city guys are like selling stuff on the road Mm -hmm. people trying to get them to buy shit from their car and then suddenly they almost get into an accident because aj's not paying attention and this is a amazing shot so he he starts spinning the car out of the direction of getting in the accident but the car is literally spinning around and it's very much like wizard of oz where you get the sense that you know you're going they're now going into this alternate universe because when the car finally does stop spinning they're in an entirely different location it's after dark now and it's empty and desolate and very creepy yeah, yeah, and first time I saw it, I was like, "What's going on?" And then, yeah, because when right before they get in the accident, it's very busy. There's a bunch of people around. Everything is there. They spin out, but it it goes a long time that they're spinning. And I'm like, "Okay." And then they land, and then it's like a whole different part. It's actually uh, very much the the. It's I think it's East LA where the ending of uh, Vice Squad was. Where it looked very fam- familiar to Vice Squad, and I was like, yep. "Oh." 
okay, this is like a Wizard of Oz thing. That was the tornado. And and I was like, totally. wow. Like, I never thought in a million years that like a vampire, you know, stripper vampire movie was going to have like a weird connection to Wizard of Oz, but it all works. And we'll call out actually another thing at the very end that's very Oz-esque. Um, but mm. very cool. Very cool that they went in this direction, you know? Yeah, I agree. And like I said uh, earlier, it reminded me of after hours uh, because it's just so wacky in some of the, the, the choices of shots that they use in the movie um, and really off kilter where you do realize there's something um, this is an alternate universe you're in. And we've talked about it before. Uh, we're going to have to make a list one of these days of urban uh fantasy tales type fairy of thing tales, yeah. yeah urban yeah. fairy tales like this uh chud is kind of like that uh mm-hmm. but yeah these mm-hmm. movies that like they yep. take place in in the city but yet for some reason like no other people are around and it almost feels like an alternate reality this is one of them this is like an urban fairy tale film yeah it really is and um it's only gonna get more fairy tale-esque yeah hey everybody Corey here I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. It's nighttime now, and you cut to them in a diner, and it, they're like the only ones in this little rinky-dink diner that clearly is a set, but who gives a shit? Uh, and and Keith's like, well, you could tell like he just talked to the the, the guy who owns the, the the cook or whatever, the guy behind the counter. He's like, well, the guy says it's just down the street, but the ad says the club won't a- won't open until after dark. And then at that point, the 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 guy behind the counter freaks out because he checks the clock and he starts closing up the store. And, and he and, starts putting on a priest outfit. Yeah, he starts putting on a priest outfit with a giant cross. Yeah. And it's really funny. And Keith's like, well, what the hell does that mean, you know? And AJ's like, well, it's dark. And Keith's like, yeah, but is it after dark? And AJ's like, no, it's definitely af- it's definitely dark. And Keith goes, it might just turn dark. <laughs> Dude. And he goes. <laughs> this conversation is great. I love it. It's like a Seinfeld conversation. It's a conversation about nothing and it's fan fucking tastic. Yeah. Yeah. Because AJ goes, if we knew the exact moment it's dark, we'd wait a few seconds <laughs> just... and it'd be after dark. And so Keith goes, so when's that? And AJ goes, I don't know. And Keith goes, but you know what I'm saying? After dark could mean morning. Am I making sense? 
Well, and it's funny because I've always wondered with like gremlins, don't feed the mogwai after midnight. And it's like, okay, but what time zone is that? And then, but then also like it's, it's 7 a.m. That's after midnight as well. Like, but what's the end point of that? You say after midnight, but then what's the, the you know, everything is after yeah. midnight. And that's the conversation that they're having. Like, well, they're like, well, the morning is after dark. Everything is after dark. Well, what is it? It's great. It's I love when, it's great when writing. It's like. Keith's like, am I making sense? And AJ goes, no. <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of that yeah. bit, right? It's great. And uh, and then the, the 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 guy behind the counter is like, hurry up, it's closing time. And then Keith Keith yells to Duncan. He's like, yo, Duncan. And AJ's like, let's go. And then you hear Duncan from the bathroom going, I'm going as fast as I can. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then suddenly the at the door. A gang appears, a very albino gang led by Billy Drago as Snow, who bleached his hair, by the way, yeah. and eyebrows for this. And, and eyebrows and eyelashes. It's yeah. wild. I mean, he's, he's wild. And it's interesting because obviously you guys and gals have probably already seen the movie. It's interesting that, you know, he, he's trying to, he, oh, he looks like a vampire, but he's not a vampire. And Katrina nope. doesn't look like a vampire, but she is a vampire. And I like how they kind of, because I thought Snow was going to be a vampire at first. You know, I thought that's yep. what I thought. I think that's what, that's what you're supposed to think, you know, but he's not and that's what's interesting that the humans look more vampire than the vampires do yeah you find out later in the movie that he's not connected to them at all but it is an interesting thing mm-hmm. right uh yeah he comes in and the 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 guy behind the counter is like just closed and he's like and billy drago is so good at his playing that steely cool villain he's like you just opened again and he sits down at the counter with his two chicks with him and he's like sick coffees Six cups to go. And now, then... real quick, because this comes up later when, when in the conversation when he says to, to Duncan, he ordered six cups of coffee. I still don't kind of understand the significance of that. Is that it be- there's more members of the gang. Oh, oh, bop, bop, bop. Thank you. Yep, you actually you made it made sense to me. Okay. I'm an moments. idiot. <laughs> no, it's, it's Oakley Dokley, I'm an idiot. Well, there, there's a... There's a couple pieces of dialogue that I'll bring up that that didn't necessarily make sense to me, um, but maybe we'll have Richard back on to to break those down because I'm like, what what do you mean by that? Yeah, we'll this, get to that. Yeah, this is one of the few times that we actually interviewed uh, the person associated with the film before uh, reviewing the film because we usually do it the other way, and then we can take some of these questions to them. Uh, so this was a bit reversed, but uh, it's yeah. It's interesting. So, yeah. and I have I have one piece of a, a weird fade out uh, where it looked like a character was about to say something they didn't, and I, I I took a note of it, so I'll bring that up later as well. But for the most part, I don't think there's too many wonky things in it, but there are a couple little things. And this is a low budget film made, you know, kind of on a shoestring budget, and it's a lot tighter than it has any right to be uh, for for the budget that it is. And that's, you know, because the director, uh, Richard Wank, he wrote it also. And everything we see on screen is pretty much how he's, you know, he sort of intended it. Except for Katrina was was very different once they got Grace Jones for that role. Yeah, we'll obviously get to that too when it comes up. But um, at this point now, yeah, there's two chicks with, uh, with, with Snow. And Keith is making oogly eyes at one. He's like, they're like flirting back and forth with each other. It's and she's, really she's funny beautiful. She's a beautiful woman. She's beautiful, but he's acting like an idiot. Yeah. Like, of t- total idiot on purpose. It, it's funny. Like we've all been there and been like, oh yeah, this chick's into me. And AJ's like, AJ sees what he's doing. And he's like, don't do that. 
I'm not, I'm not kidding. Keith goes to drink from his coffee, and then the chick smiles, and she's got what look like vampire teeth, uh, just rotten, just nasty-looking teeth, which causes Keith to do a spit take, and they, which causes also Snow and his gang to get up and approach them at the table. Yeah. And I, I mentioned this to, to Richard Wink when we talked to him. You got to give this lady props because you can tell her she's it's fake teeth, you know, and they are so gnarled that when her mouth is closed, it just it pushes her lips out. And yeah. the interesting thing is for the rest of the movie, whenever you see her, she never oh, doesn't open her mouth again. But you can tell that the actress is still wearing those teeth to kind of make her the shape of her mouth that way. And I was like, I, props to her for, for yeah. keep wearing those teeth, even though you don't see after this one shot but they are gnarly if i was drinking i didn't expect that if i was drinking i would have spit out the same thing i mean Corey, the viewer watching it i was not expecting her to smile and have those teeth guys i'm not i'm not claiming that like i'm the hunky boy of the month club but uh but you know we've all dated people we've all been on dates we've all either made out with people where we're like oh that was unexpected yeah Ooh, and then totally turns you off it's like that seinfeld thing you know she smelled like soup or uh, <laughs> yeah. you know man hands it, man literally hands, yeah. we've all been there we've yeah. all been there with certain people we i was dating a girl once and i was making out with her and i was rubbing her back and suddenly i felt this giant mole back there and it just it like it like startled me and i and I kind of turtled, and that was the end of the date, really. And then <laughs> we're horrible people, but it's true. I mean, I think everybody's like that. I think everybody <laughs> is horrible to some degree. We are. We and are. I'm admitting it. So, yeah, yeah. you know, screw don't me, hate. whatever. <laughs> don't hate us. <laughs> yeah, come on. We've all been there. There's all, always been. I don't care who you are. We've all been there where you've had something shallow. You've stopped dating somebody for something shallow. One girl I dated smelled funny, and I stopped dating her after that. So. Well, actually, that's that's actually you should because if you don't like the scent of the person, that probably means you're not genetically com- uh, compatible. Uh, scent is actually a very strong indicator uh, through evolution if your if your genes are compatible. I don't know why I know that, but I do. So, anyways, moving on back to vamp. <laughs> we need the we need the jingle of the more you know. Yeah, anyways, Snow and his gang approach Keith and AJ, and at that point, Keith's like, AJ, help me. And AJ goes, nope. Mm-hmm. And then Snow walks over, gets ready right in Keith's face. He's like, you see something funny? And Keith's like, I think this is serious. And this is where I was a little confused because he goes, AJ, I live, you die. And I'm like, wait, yeah. I live, you – shouldn't it be – Yeah, I didn't understand that dialogue. AJ, yep. help me or we both die or yep. something? That was a no little idea. wonky. No idea. Uh, yeah, it was weird. And Snow's like – think i'm gonna let maven there cut one of your balls off (laughs) and then in perfect billy drago delivery perfect yeah and duncan at q duncan walking out of the bathroom sees what's going on and he's like oh looks like there'll be another hour or so on these toilets these pipes are tough (laughs) so if you excuse me i'll get back to work and he goes back in the bathroom (laughs) Like, you know, no one said anything. Like, even Billy Draga, even Snow and all, everyone just looks at him. And you got to imagine how silly that was. I love it. I love moments like that that break the tension. Yeah, me too. Me too. And then uh, AJ then cuts to AJ and he's like, yeah, I, I definitely think it's after dark now. And, uh, Th- that's now that's a good line. It's, yeah. a, a, you know the exact opposite of the whole like I live you die thing. That's a good line when he says I think it's after dark now. Yeah, totally. And and then he turns on his charm. He turns on that AJ personality. He's like Snow. I'm AJ. 
Come on, all this over three lousy teeth? <laughs> three lousy <laughs> teeth. And Snow's like, who spoke to you? And then he, as he says that, he spills coffee on AJ's pants. And Keith's like, Keith, Keith even says, he goes, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then right after that, that's when all kind of hell breaks loose. The other gang member... Uh, or the other gang girl, the other chick, she goes to throw her coffee and then Keith dodges it and it hits uh, Maven in the face Yeah, because she has a knife now at this point. Yeah. She drops the knife and freaks out. AJ grabs Snow by the balls. By the balls. By all the balls. <laughs> I'm grabbing that nut. Like you see the nut almost popping out <laughs> through the hand. Yeah, dude. He grabs the twigs and the berries, man. He manhandles Snow. It, and and in cue volare, whoa, which is really funny when that happens because you're like, oh, volare, like that's the sound you'd make, I guess, if someone grabbed your balls. And they even throw in like this crunching sound effect too, and it's <laughs> yeah, like, oh great. my god, it's so good. And I like and, that. I like that AJ. I like that AJ is capable, and it's kind of yeah. cool. I like to have the idea of having an older brother because we don't quite know if they're older brothers or if they're just really close friends or whatever but it's really i like that idea because i can put myself in keith's shoes and like having an older brother that would could defend me type of thing and there's something really nice about that yeah totally it's it's a cool it's a cool like he he's a total badass Mm -hmm. turns he's he's like the the total package he's charming he's he he knows how to get you out of situations knows how to get you into situations (laughs) and uh and also kicks some ass in the meantime Mm -hmm. so yeah he's he's decimating snow's balls right now and yells over to duncan he's like hey dunk you know (laughs) he's like you're finished with those toilet seats and then duncan walks out and he's and uh, and Duncan now is super cocky because he sees what is like uh, the gang is down and they're defeated. And Duncan's like, lucky they didn't try the bathrooms. I was ready. What I would have done. <laughs> and then uh, they leave. Keith, Duncan and AJ leave the, the restaurant. Duncan's uh, still talking shit. Still talking shit. The diner. Duncan's like, hey, messing with my buddies. Wham. Right in the tchotchkes. One guy takes on the three of us. huh? And Duncan's like, hey, maybe we ought to wait and see if you want another round. Huh? How about that, buddy? Huh? Huh? And then AJ grabs Duncan. He's like, Duncan, they ordered six coffees. And and it cuts it like cuts right there. And I at first because my note is I still didn't understand it, but you explained it to me, and now it makes perfect sense. And you know I like that the movie didn't quite explain it to me, and I like that you helped me ex- uh, uh, sort of get to that. That's something that that I feel like doesn't happen anymore. I think everyone watches YouTube videos now and kind of gets just gets everything clarified. I miss talking something out with my friends you know what i mean this makes me feel like we're young again and we were like you know after we watched the movie and we were like you know maybe 15 or something i'd be like i didn't understand that zach and then we would kind of talk it out i miss that kind of shit and i'm glad that that's how i came to this realization and now it makes sense because now aj's like dude six coffees we only handled one person essentially there's freaking three more coming if if we don't get the fuck out of here and now it makes complete fucking sense yeah, and, and you don't necessarily know how far they went, but they cut to them being outside of the, of the club. Um, I'm assuming it's nearby, though. Probably. It is, really, because yeah. because we haven't seen the last of snow in his, his gang of six. I'm assuming all of this is like, you know, a good five-block, ra- uh, square-block radius type of thing yeah. that everyone's sort of around. It's it's all technically close by. Yeah, yeah. So they, they get, they're outside the club, and, uh, and so AJ is like trying to, 
boost them up because Duncan and uh, Duncan and Keith both look like a little deflated because it looks just like the ghetto. And AJ's like, okay, so it's not Caesar's Palace. And Keith's like, let's just get this over with, okay? And then I love this because Duncan starts singing. I'm in the mood for love. And I've, I've, because of this movie, I started singing it this way every time I sing this song. I'm in the mood for love simply because they're naked. <laughs> guys, guys, I'm on a roll tonight. And when that happens, I attract women like flies. And then Keith is like, yeah. And then they both look at each other and they go, even shit, right? <laughs> and because uh, they're they, they start. So I didn't get that at first. I'm like. I don't. I thought they were they were Rochambeauing each other. They both look at each other and they're like, "Oh God!" So they do rock paper scissors, and after and it's they're the lines that come out of their mouth are piggybacking off of him saying, "I attract women like flies," because they both look at each other and they just, they both go, "Even shit!" Yeah. Right? <laughs> See, it's really funny. It's really funny. No, that is, and I didn't get that either. I I thought they were saying evens, or I kind of didn't understand what they were saying. I thought they were saying evens to the rock paper scissors that they were going to yeah. do, but again, now it makes even more sense that that yeah, even he I attract women like flies. Yeah, but even I was shit. probably more more focusing on like he has this recurring thing where he's trying to put the banaka into his mouth, but it's spraying wrong, and it's yeah. it's a gag that we've seen a gazillion times, but for some reason it always works for me. I'm always like you're doing it wrong buddy <laughs> you know yeah and he's so oblivious he's still singing because he's yeah. like only because they're naked i'm in the mood for love so it goes back to singing again he goes hey wait a minute i thought we were all going in and uh and and because aj walks into the club and keith's like we got to get back soon and and he's like aj i'll take care of everything okay and, and duncan goes hey wait this isn't fair we come all the way out here and i don't even get a chance to watch I think I should have a say in the selection. And Keith's like, you can interview her in the car. And Duncan goes, no way. One for all and all inside, I say, ta-ta. <laughs> That's a good and one. he runs off, right? And I love this because uh, Keith's like, Duncan, don't do that. And then Duncan goes, six coffees, right? <laughs> and so uh, Keith goes to get in the car, but the car's locked. So he's like, ah, oh, shit. So he's got to go out. He's got to go in with him anyways. And as he's running in, you still hear Duncan, I'm in the mood for love simply because they're naked. <laughs> and they walk inside the club and we're introduced to Vic. And we're also and introduced to who? who is, what song is, is playing in the background as they get into the club? So we walk into the club and you hear this song playing because you see they're in a strip club and there's this hot chick dancing. I, I don't even know what her name is, but she looks like a Playboy model. And, uh, and you hear this song. The song's called Jealous Heart. And the, I recognize the vocalist. I'm like, that sounds really familiar to Jellish Heart, white boy singing. And I'm like, wait, that's Jack Mack. Jack Mack and the Heart Attack. Yeah. Hell yeah. From Tough Who I love baby. even more now. Like, there was a time when I couldn't stand that kind of attitude. But now I'm like, oh, I love this. Yeah, love this me too. I, I love, love it this too. Song. Especially it, because of Tough Turf, right? It, yeah, because they're not doing a 60s cover. Got that kind of feeling, do, 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 do. man, I'm feeling in my heart. They're doing like a a 80s song with like synth. You can hear a little bit of synth in the background. It's really cool, right? So yeah, Jealous Hearts playing, and uh, which kind of reminds me of 
from dusk till dawn a little yep. bit with the yep. music playing when they go into the club. Yeah. And the guy who owns the bar or owns this club is Vic. <laughs> is like, AKA Jack Compass. Uh you know boy. and in another life, in another life, uh Vic retired down to uh <laughs> down to Florida and uh became Morty Seinfeld's uh next door neighbor. But I was like right when he came on, I was like, no. No, no, this this isn't happening because you you guys know that if if it is new to me, if if a new if a movie is new to me, I won't watch a trailer, I won't look on IMDb, I won't do anything until after I watch the first go round of it to try to make it as fresh as possible. And I was just like, I was just like, this isn't happening. Jack Compass is in this movie. This isn't happening. It's awesome. It's all, but but he is. He and is. He steals the show. And he's he steals great. everything he's in. It's great. He's like. How you doing, boys? Can I see your ID? And he grabs Duncan's wallet, and Duncan's got a shit ton of money in there, credit cards, the whole bingo bango. And he's like, good, good. This is good. Oh, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Get a table. Right? And so uh, he kind of brings him into the club, and then he says, bar a table. And Duncan pulls out a wad of cash and gives it to him, and he goes, ringside. And he goes, thank you, sir. (laughs) And then he walks off. Uh, They sit down at the bar, and they're watching the strip club. They're at a table, and across at the bar, they see AJ scoping out the girls as well, doing his recon mission. Yeah. And what's really funny about it is, like, a girl comes over wearing – it's not even a thong. It's like a string up her butt. And, and AJ looks over at her butt and he looks at the other guys. He's like, uh-huh. Yeah. You see, like doing the thing with his eyebrows. You <laughs> yeah. know? And, uh, and, and Keith's like, so annoyed. He's like, I just wants to go. And I'm like, but part of me is like, dude, you guys drove all the way out here. Like make, yeah. make the most of it. Come on, Keith, lighten up. And I mean, it's, I've been to plenty of strip clubs in my day, ranging from Baltimore strip clubs to LA strip clubs. And, uh, this in Vegas as well. And this is the coolest looking strip club that I've ever seen. I love the set design with the lights in the tables and everything. Uh, it's really, really stylized and I, I love it. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it really does. And and they're they're queuing in on the different people in the club and there's this big slothy bald guy in there and I'm like that dude looks familiar. Oh, that's the guy in um uh Oh, it wasn't Ferris Bueller cuz I, I in the interview we do with uh with Richard Wank, I I thought the the bald guy there was a bald guy in Ferris Bueller. It's he's from Trading Places, I think. Uh when when um Dan Aykroyd's fiance is bailing him out from jail and the guy next to him is like you know it's a nice purse i think it's the same guy i I could be wrong that's a deep dive that i'm not willing to go down at this point (laughs) but um anyways the lot of it's people you'd see to strip club yeah richard wank brought up the fact he's like you don't take your eyes off the dancer because you don't want to look around at what else is around there fun fact uh i've only been to two strip clubs in my no that's not true uh, I've I've been to a, like two or three strip clubs in my entire life, not that many. But my the first time I went to a strip club was on my 18th birthday. Just so happened it was the summer of 1994. Just so happened it was the same day as OJ was driving down the 405 <laughs> in his white Blanco Bronco. And so everybody, including the dancers, had their eyes glued to the TV. And meanwhile, I have my my birthday dollars that my brother had given me to to get, you know, more attention from the stripper. And I'm putting them out. I'm like folding them, you know, where you put them on the counter or whatever for them to take. And I'm like, 
here's my dollars. Why aren't you dancing? Cause no one was dancing. They were just watching the TV. And meanwhile, I'm looking at the dancer, but everyone else is looking at the TV monitors, watching OJ ruin my 18th birthday. How <laughs> dare you, sir? And it's, I'm it's, sorry about that. I'm really sorry about that. My, my giant head ruined the naked lady birthday <laughs> no. for you. <laughs> Enjoy but, t- Tower in Inferno. But like, if you look back on it now, we know how big of a cultural moment that was. Oh, uh, it's, it's, in, it's ingrained in my mind. It's yeah. just he ruined my birthday. Yeah, he, he ruined your birthday. And, he also killed two people too, but you know. It's sure. Another. But and weirdly, Allegedly. another piece of cultural significance, uh, this movie, the first day of shooting when they were going to go shoot was the day that the Challenger exploded. Oh. So they were like completely, I probably like, I, I guarantee you they lost a good portion of that day just kind of like being wrapped up in it. But that was their first day of shooting. Un, or or you could have been like my teacher at that time when the Challenger exploded and simply walked over to the TV, turned it off without saying anything, and just said, "Okay, everybody, open up your math books." Yeah, we we we've talked. We I think we talked about that on like a wrap up or something. But that's a terrible idea because my teacher was like, "Okay, let's talk about what happened." And you as a teacher, which one's the right choice here? Uh, B. <laughs> um, <laughs> yours, your teacher. <laughs> No, your teacher. Your oh, that's your what, yeah, teacher. you say I, it. Yeah. I thought I went first. A or B, whichever what Corey's was. Yeah, I'm going to exactly. say sleazy C. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is great because Keith Keith is starting. He's like kind of into it a little bit, and everyone's having a good time. And then he spots a uh, very beautiful blonde with this very cool hairstyle who doesn't look trashy at all. She just looks cute, and she's got a great outfit on. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just gushing over Dee Dee Pfeiffer because she's just <sighs> She's like, she's such a babe. She's total babe. Dude, she, and, she's new to me in this movie, and uh, I couldn't take my eyes off her, man. I was like, she's so, there's just, yeah, something about her. There's not many people that can do that. Walk the line between sexy and cute. You're kind of either yeah. one or the other, and she can kind of pull pull off both. And, yeah, it's one of those situations where I'm like, man, where, she, where has she been my whole life when, of yeah. movie watching, you know? Something in between, like, um, like uh, E.G. Daly and Rosanna Arquette, somewhere in there, you know, or like if you took Rosanna Arquette's perkiness and you took Deborah Foreman's kind of sexy sultriness and you put them together, Deborah Foreman from, uh, you know, My Chauffeur and Valley Girl, just that kind of vibe. And there's a there's a there's this young lady on the Goldbergs that her name is A.J. McCalka. Um, and she's on the Goldbergs as Lonnie. Um, but I got, I got vibes of, of, uh, I guess her, you know, it kind of reminded me, she reminded me of, of D.D. Pfeiffer a little bit, uh, more of a modern D.D. Pfeiffer, but yeah, it's, it's, she's, she's awesome, man. She's great in this movie. So cool, bubbly and like sweet. And she sees Keith and gets all excited and you don't know why. Yeah. And she comes over and she's like, hey, she's like, you don't. She comes over to Keith and Duncan's table. She's like, you don't remember me, do you? It's been a long time. She's like, but I remember you. And then she goes, I'm Amaretto. Not really. Not really. <laughs> that was cute. I like that. I liked how she was giving them the drink. She's like, not really. Yeah. And she's like, I'll be a waitress. And she goes, what can I get you guys? And, uh, and Duncan goes, I would like a slow, comfortable screw. And Keith's like uh, a beer for my buddy and a beer and one for my buddy. Like Duncan's trying to turn on the charm and, and, and AJ's like, or, or Keith. Or, sorry, Keith, Keith is like, stop it. But then Keith's looking at the Allison who later, later we find out her name's Allison and like her, the, 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 
with like the string on her shirt dress is coming done done. It's very sexy because he eyes it and like, yeah, man, that's that's the stuff that get got me going back in the day. It was not like, you know, it was like little things like that. The the hair falling out of your face and you just kind of brush it out of the way. It's very sexy. Mm-hmm. And he's like getting excited. And, and Keith's like, I don't know who she is. And he goes. He goes, you don't remember that? He goes, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I do love that your Duncan is morphing into a Stephen Nichols from Witchboard. It's just like slowly morphing into that. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have him on the show eventually someday, I'm sure. I I I hope so. I can do my impression for him. (laughs) Um, And then it cuts to Vic, and Vic's on the mic, like announcing the next uh, stripper. And he's like, or he announces who who was on stage. He's like, builder of major erections, our construction. Construction engineer, hard hat, Hannah. Come on, let's hear it. <laughs> and then after the exchange between Allison and Keith, Duncan's like, you don't know, you don't have any friends that want to remember me, huh? Nah, I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, that and was sad too. It was sad. And then they cue Vic saying, gentlemen, I give you Katrina. And so before we get into Katrina's whole thing because i have we can go for 30 minutes just about that i gotta say real quick poor the lady that played hard hat hannah there was one shot uh beautiful lady uh she had a g-string on one shot where she's bending over and you can see like her butthole like the pucker of her butthole and i'm like you know you on vhs you probably could never have seen it but like now that it's on like hd and we all have like 63 inch tvs i'm like yeah i was like that's that poor lady's butthole <laughs> just a hole dude just a hole just, just a hole so from there we cut to katrina being presented and this is this is where you go from look i love from dust till dawn which heavily was influenced by this movie yes. so heavily influenced it almost just feels like a I don't want to say remake, but a reimagination of the story in general. Um, So heavily uh, influenced that uh, uh, Richard Wenk said that uh, Tarantino got got in contact with the producer of this film that we mentioned earlier, uh, who also produced Tough Turf, to kind of get his okay for their From Dusk Till Dawn uh, script. And yeah, I can see the influences here, but what a dramatic difference uh, Salma, Bla- Salma Hayek is to to Grace Jones, and there's no there's no good or bad version. It's just no. there's so two different versions of this scene type of thing. Um, but oh god, buddy, I have so many things that I, about this scene. It's it's, and I told Richard Wank I've seen this movie twice now, but I've watched this scene like ten times because I love it so much and i love this song so much uh vamp performed by grace jones which has never had a commercial release uh unfortunately so uh but i'm I'm stealing your thunder i'm sorry but i I can't i can't even begin to express how much this scene i adored it it was amazing we'll just piggyback off each other because i think she did like a remixed version of it later on in the, like the 90s or something yeah it, it, it's on her it's on her album i think her 89 album but it's a heavily retooled version of this song
Yeah, and and for those of you that don't know Grace Jones out of, outside of Conan the Destroyer or A View to a Kill, uh, or uh, she was, you know, she's she's an, a model, actress, singer, performance uh, artist, performance artist, very very avant garde, and it doesn't it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, but you know what? In in the art community, she was huge in the eighties, yep. hanging out with Andy Warhol and Keith Haring. Keith Haring is iconic for his, um, you know. I think uh, you know. Obviously, he passed away, but for the gay community, he was a champion artist. I think his work was used for. Uh, I mean, like the 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 kind of cut out Walking Man type art is. It just you've seen it everywhere. Uh, it was iconic in the 80s and 90s and super influ- super influential. She hung out with Andy Warhol, who, you know, is super unique and different. And again, I'm, I'm going to say it again. It doesn't work for everybody. Some people don't, don't get it. But, but, you know, to put her in this movie and, and make her such like the the main draw of everyone's desires is a is a bold call. And a brave call and a good call because it makes you remember this. If it was some other beautiful kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say typical, but yeah, typical kind of beauty blonde, uh, pinup girl, it would not have been as memorable. And so I dare I say more memorable than Salma Hayek. Salma Hayek's, I think it's mostly, well, Salma Hayek's gorgeous too. Yeah. But, but, but it is just different. It's just, different yeah and so really quick she does her dance i'll let Corey pontificate on all this but she does her she does her uh, amazing dance uh, around this like headless chair of a bust of a guy turns out it's actually dolph lundgren's bust which is hilarious but it's decorated with keith herring's uh art and it's iconic it stands out it's memorable uh she it's a wild dance but i'll let Corey go wild on it yeah, yeah. So, so like, like you said, uh, that that chair is yeah molded from Dolph Lundgren, who famously they were a couple uh, during this time frame. Uh, they dated back in the day. You can find some amazing images, uh, '80s fantastical images of them, you know, together and everything, and it's it's beautiful. And uh, her dance, like like her makeup and her hair. Her hair was inspired by Pris from Blade Runner. Uh, uh, dare up. Uh, Daryl Hannah, Daryl Hannah's uh, character, and and you, it's it's like part. This whole scene is part performance art, part striptease. Um, unlike anything anyone's ever seen, the song is amazing. Everything about it is, is amazing. Although it's it's probably more exciting than sexual. You know, it's kind of more weird than sexual, but yet it still has enough sexual elements for you to kind of feel the sexiness of it. And then after it's over, the song's over and the song's also, you know, just as weird and and experimental as you would imagine. It's Grace Jones's stuff. You know, that's how she is. And if you've ever heard her music, you kind of get an idea of what it is. But after it's over, there's this like beat where everyone in the audience is quiet. And I felt the exact same way. And then everyone like uproars into cheers. And I do too, because I, I was living in that moment where like, I was like, is this weird? Do I love this? What is this? You know, and I was sort of, you're almost sort of waiting for someone to tell you if you like it or not, you know? And I'm just like, because because it's so weird, because it's so different, you don't even know how to process it. But yeah, I, again, I've, I've watched this scene now like 10 times and I just love it so much. And it's, it's absolutely amazing to, 
I mean, everything about it's amazing. It's worth watching the movie literally just for this one scene, although I think you'll find an amazing movie wrapped up around this one scene, but this one scene is worth checking out if you've never seen it. Yeah, it did. The, the, her dance culminates in her burying her head in the crotch of the chair and filleting it. Yes, yes, that tells you everything. And, and I told Zach offline, I was like, <laughs> it's a goddamn shame because this, this song is not on Spotify. And um, the one, Bump in the Night from uh, Witchboard, is not on Spotify. Uh, and I'm like, I told Zach, I was like, dude, I, I would be listening to Slime City, Bump in the Night, and Vamp by Grace Jones on fucking repeat if they were on Spotify. And it's a goddamn shame that you can't get this song anywhere commercially it's all i mean i guess at the same time it's kind of cool it's only in this moment in this movie well that that's why i still listen to all my music i do listen to it digitally mostly but i listen to all my music on my phone um like uh, my playlists or whatever from from apple music yeah because i'll i'll you know find a copy of it and find a way to get it on my phone (laughs) and quote unquote uh because my playlist 90 percent of the music on my on my phone is stuff that you probably can only find off of youtube or 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 your own versions that you turn into an mp3 from vinyl or cassette but yeah it's beautiful it's cool uh and and yet and I was just going to say, and before we, you go into the next scene, I got to also say that I, I guess it's like Candy's song sort of thing, even though it starts playing before Candy's introduced. But there's this awesome synthwave song that comes on right after Katrina's dance. And yeah. it's my second cool. favorite cool. fucking song in, in, in the in the in the movie because but it's more of a score. It's more of like a, the, the score or something. But it's a it's another song that it's I mean, it goes right into it. And I'm like, holy fuck, this one's so good, too. Yeah, the score is really unique. There, there's moments where um, uh, throughout that it kind of really adds to the scene. So, uh, and you know, we love a good synth score. But yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. And that that is definitely the highlight of the score itself. That moment right there, uh, because yeah, after the dead silence and everyone excited, uh, this uh, AJ's like ready to pounce. You know, he's like, wait till like. Those wimps of Delta Sci-Fi or Delta whatever they're called, <laughs> Sci-Fi. I don't know. When do they when do they see this? And uh, and a Asian woman approaches uh, AJ and talks to him and leads him backstage. From there, and Duncan gets all excited. He's yes, he scores. Cut to backstage. AJ's walking around with this uh, his his guide i guess and he walks by two strippers who are are doing each other's makeup they're staring face to face at each other gee i wonder why they would be doing that it's, it's very smart it, it is because at first you're like huh and i mean i didn't even put it together i mean like i've seen from dust to dawn i i should have assumed that everyone here was a vampire but i didn't put it together but in second you know viewing i was like ah because they're almost looking through where the mirror would be there's mm-hmm. no mirror and they're putting on each other's makeup and now watching it you know knowing what's happening i'm like that's fucking smart as shit right there yeah, and I and I guess I say From Dust Till Dawn is less of a vampire movie than this because they have like them turning into snake vampires yeah. and like all these hybrids. And I get it is I I would almost describe it more of a vampire slash monster movie yeah. because they yeah. they're all different like types of vampires. Yeah, which is cool. It's totally fine. I'm just saying like as a standalone straight up vamp yeah. movie. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, AJ's like great show, girls, love it, brilliant, very tastefully done. <laughs> 
it's so funny. He has like a Vince Vaughn vibe to him, you know. Mm-hmm. And he does. Uh, he does. And, in the, in it, the best possible way. It, yeah, I mean that as a, yeah. as a good thing. And be, you cut back to Vic, and he's like, "All right, gentlemen, you're in for a treat. She melts in your mouth. She melts in your hands. Sweet, sweet candy." And I'm like, "Ooh, candy's looking a little rough, but that's my own personal." <laughs> she opinion. is, but her song is fantastic. Yeah. Right. So from there, you cut back to AJ going into Katrina's lair and real quick uh katrina's lair was kind of uh, uh designed and put together by um andy warhol uh, i mean this is wild. insane this is fucking I mean, that's wild, insane dude. the fact that those the words just came out of my mouth are fucking insane um but i love it i love that you see this like sarcophagus this egyptian sphinx um no not a sphinx i'm sorry uh, egyptian sarcophagus mm-hmm. and it's her face it's grace jones's face and there's all yeah. these clues layered in that that she has this life before that came before um but you don't know you know nothing ever explicitly says it and that's what i love I, you, you know zach as well as i do i love those the world building moments like that um my only gripe was when when aj gets into this room the sound the score cuts down completely and i was like no not that song but then actually uh the mixer kind of starts bringing it back up again and then that song kind of goes throughout this entire uh scene but at first i was very saddened that we'd lost the song but it was good it was good for them to, to it was a good sound mix editing uh way to do it yeah i've seen that done in, in a few movies in the 80s one specific that stands out to me is jake speed where the sound cuts out and it's 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 all purposely done, but yeah. it's a little jarring for a minute because you're like, wait, are we supposed to have score right now? Yeah. But but it then comes back and it's all good. Yep. But Yeah. And you're right. Like again, I go back to From Dust Till Dawn with the the final shot of the movie where they they show the the cemetery of cars and in the back of the club, and you're just like, yeah, this is there's a lot more going on here. God damn, like Robert Rodriguez took this. 86 movie and like just expanded upon it he they really did guys it is really an homage to vamp i would have liked in anything i would have liked to to have them make it more obvious like where they made it drop the line from vamp yeah from dust till dawn because otherwise it treads the category of oh you ripped us off yeah you know really does like you we say homage all the time uh, you know, if Tarantino's in an interview and he said, oh, I saw City on Fire, that's what inspired me to do Reservoir Dogs, then people would have been less apt to say, you ripped off City on Fire from and made Reservoir Dogs. Um, oh, this, the cutting off the ear scene, if he said, oh, I saw Django, the original Western, and that's why I put that scene where he gets his ear cut off, then people instead of that would have said, oh, he see, he gave it props. And but instead, they say, no, you ripped off that scene from and, and that's why I think Tarantino gets a lot of shit because people say, oh, you ripped off this scene or you ripped that because he doesn't maybe it wasn't at a time when we had more accessibility in that way, uh, interview wise. But like, I, I want to see more acknowledgement. Vamp needs to be more acknowledged. That's why we're doing it right now. Bro, from Dust to Dawn, I love that movie. It's it's probably it's in my top 20. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But now after watching this. I'm not going to say it goes down any kind of notches, but I'm just like, oh, you it's not as clever as as I as I originally yeah. thought it was. And I would dare say that this and that movie take place in the same universe. Um, I wouldn't yeah. even be surprised if Grace Jones somehow, you know, back in the day, her character overlapped with them and everything, you know, type of thing. You could easily place them in the same universe. But, yeah, watching this now. I'm like, oh, I love from Russell Dawn, but it's not as original as I thought it was when I originally saw it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, 
so from there we cut back to yeah the lair and 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 aj's trying to turn on his charm and he's like hey because katrina comes out and she no longer has all the the body paint on her and she's she looks like she's like done for the night she's got her hair up and looks really beautiful sans makeup yep. uh, you can tell she's like practically not wearing any i mean she's and, she's uh, a, an, a, a stunning woman absolutely stunning yeah, there really will never unique, be another again. grace jones she is no. unbelievably beautiful yeah again i've said unique a few times i'll say it again and um and she's wearing those blue contacts that obviously make her make it stand out a little bit more too you know yeah and not saying anything makes it even more interesting Mm -hmm. because she's not talking at Mm -hmm. all and and aj's like i got your act out there some show and he's basically trying to get her to come uh be the strip stripper to come with them back to the college and instead, she makes her moves on him and pushes him down onto the, her bed that's covered in plastic, uh, which is creepy and and gross. And uh, she starts to rip his shirt off, and he's like, "No, allow me." And he starts taking his shirt off, and they're kind of she's being super physical with him. He's like, "Oh, you like to play rough, huh?" And you cut from there. You cut back to Keith, uh, who's with Duncan, and he's like, "I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go to the bathroom," and he goes to the bathroom. And out of the stall comes this big hulk of a dude uh, who we later find out his name is Vlad. He's shirtless and he goes to wash his hands and you see all these sores or like either stab wounds or bite marks or whatever all over his back. It's disgusting. And Keith can't take his eyes off it. Uh, Vlad, there's no mirror, by the way, in the bathroom. Yeah. And yeah. and so he turns and looks. But nowadays you're like, oh, it's no big deal. There's no mirrors in tons yeah, of bathrooms. Th- there's so. no mirrors, in, especially in L.A., like downtown L.A., because th- th- in strip clubs especially, if it is a mirror, it's one of those crappy plastic ones where you can't even see anything. Yeah. Yep. You know, they, they make eyes with each other, and, and Keith just splits. Uh, doesn't even bother to wash his hands, which I'm like, oh, that's gross. But then I'm like, well, but it doesn't. It makes sense because that guy freaked him out, right? Yeah, and and I liked uh, the Vlad. I even mentioned it to to uh, Mr. Wank. Um, I like that. Like, we don't have any explanation for those stab wounds, the stab scars on his back. Like, I, I was like, is it because like he's biting somebody and they're like stabbing him in the back, or is it from something else? Like, and but the thing is, it doesn't matter. It's cool because it adds something and it allows the viewer to to think about it and extract. Yep. outwards and these are the the world building moments that you all know zach especially knows that i love because this is where my imagination goes wild and i'm like okay and i love that and i always love the fact that there's no explanation given for it and no. uh, and later we actually get even more uh sort of insight into vlad although weirdly there it, it doesn't give you any more information but it's another little layer to sort of add to it and i fucking love that shit it's just it's just enough, I feel like, throughout mm-hmm. this whole movie. This movie has just enough moments. It's like just enough to make you really love it. To, to always you know? keep you in to always keep you engaged in every scene throughout the entire film. Yeah, to like what's gonna happen mm-hmm. next, right? Yeah. And uh, you cut back to Vic, who is this is important. Uh, he he's he's in a he's at the corner of the bar where there's a guy face down on the table and he's like, Hey, anybody wanna claim this lush? And uh and he wants to get the guy out of the club. He's like trying to run a respectable joint here, you know, and claiming that the guy passed out and like, get him out of here. Right? Yep. He goes going once, twice. He's alone. Clean this mess up. Right. To Vlad. And then he says, uh, and now goes back to the mic. She's not much upstairs, but what a staircase gentlemen, the fabulous Dominique. <laughs> and then she new stripper on board. And Dominique is the, um, 
uh, dominatrix, I guess. Yeah, she a very right? very beautiful woman. Uh, uh, very hairy underarms, but that's yes, that's that okay. Was surprising. Yeah, that that was that a little was bit surprising. 80s. Yeah, that was surprising, but very beautiful and very amazing body. Yes, and and at this moment, right after he gave her int- the introduction, I'm like, oh. Cheech Marin plays his character in From Dust Till Dawn. Right. He's the guy who yep. hits the exact same character. Dude. He runs the joint. It's like, come on, that's. Oh. I know. And I, I love From Dust Till Dawn. I do. So but do I, I. Know, I know what you mean. It. I know what you mean. And us talking about it, I'm like, huh, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm looking at next time. I guarantee you, next time I watch From Dust Till Dawn, I will be looking at it in a different light. Me too. Me too. I'll still love it. But... Yeah. Yeah, I still love it. But like, but it's been done that. Yeah. Um, but, so, but, but maybe I might want to watch Vamp Over from Dust of Dawn one of these days. Mm, mm. Wow. That's that, that, Richard. I'm sure Richard will appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so uh, after he does that, he he has a bowl on his, uh, like at his microphone area, and it's got a bunch of cockroaches in it. He pulls a cockroach out and he eats it. Live cockroaches. It's, it's disgusting, but it's a great character choice. Like a Renfield kind of thing. Yeah, they have very Renfield esque. Yeah, and then one of the waitresses walks by him and he holds her up and and he looks at the drinks on her tray and he puts some umbrellas in there and he's like class, class. And, and there's actually this cool little storyline that Vic has where he's trying to class up the place. It's every character has something interesting happening and has has you know what i like i like the fact that vic has hopes and dreams you don't sort of see that and you certainly didn't see that with the cheech marin version in from dust till dawn but i like the fact that vic has things that he wants to achieve outside of what this movie the time frame of this movie and from there you know we we cut back to uh aj make making it with katrina basically she's getting on top of him getting a ride the baloney pony and uh and so <laughs> that would have been my paycheck by the way if i if i were aj <laughs> i mean you know he they're having a good old time and it's actually really weird scene because you're, you're focusing more on like aj taking his shirt off and you're looking at uh katrina's like licking his body and it's almost like a reverse of what you often see in movies you see the guy licking the girl's nipples and the you know kissing yeah. her belly it's really the reverse in many ways no you're uh, you're right it's control yeah you're right it's actually more more female empowerment than than yeah he because aj is the piece of meat whereas we're used to having the woman in the film be the piece of meat in these exploitative situations yeah totally and then that's what's going down uh, it's it's kind of an extended scene where you, you're seeing Rustler's character moaning and groaning quite often, and then she goes to uh, kiss his neck, and then she leans back, and her face has now become a full vampire. He looks at her, uh, at, he fights her, tries to fight her off. She holds him down. It's really terrifying. His reaction is authentically good. And she just lunges into his neck with her giant spike fangs and she like cuts it and slices down, like gnarring into it. It reminds me of Italian horror films like Demons a little bit where they're like ripping the flesh out. It's very gory. It's it's one of the goriest scenes in the movie. And I love how, you know, beautiful she is normally, but how ugly she is when she becomes a vampire. And when she does feed, it is not attractive at all. And again, 
I've because I love From Dust Till Dawn, I've seen so many behind the scenes stuff. These are literally things that they said they're like, hey, we want to make the vampires when they become vampires ugly. And when they feed, it's really gross. And now and back in the day, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Now I'm like, it's vamp. You ripped off vamp. You just ripped off vamp. That's all it is. And again, I'm not shitting on From Dust Till Dawn, but you ripped off vamp. Give there should have been like a Katrina-esque vampire maybe in you know, from Dust to Dawn, just to have that as an homage, you know, just so you can, they can tell the audience, like, we get it, it's vamp, we're, we're, we're ripping, we're, you know, we're making a movie that takes place in the same, it's vamp, you know, just give us something that kind of, you understand that it was the, that it is that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and also, guys, I know you're listening to this and probably going, well, but also from Dust Till Dawn paid homage to these other movies, you know. And I get it, we do. Like, but but Vamp is a forgotten film. Yeah, like Dawn of the Dead is not forgotten. Fright Night is not forgotten. Vamp is is a forgotten film. So that's why we're bringing it back in the spotlight. And and if you're gonna homage it this much, as much as uh, as from Dust Till Dawn did, then freaking put some sort of Vamp love into your movie. Right, exactly. So that a young Corey could be like, oh, let me go check that movie out now, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So from that scene. Okay, and all cut. I got to say is by the, at the end of that scene, I was first time viewing so fucking devastated that AJ was dead. But oh boy, does the roller coaster continue. But right now, first time viewing, I was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, it's a bummer. It is a. It really is a bummer that we see this version of AJ dead. From there, we cut to Keith walking near the podium uh, where Vic was, you know, announcing every dancer. And he is like watching everything, all the action going on, waiting for AJ. And he reaches into the bowl thinking it's like peanuts or something, which is so weird. It's like you would just not never do that. You would never ever eat something you didn't look at. No one in the history of the world has ever done that. And he picks up a cockroach and puts it in his mouth and gets freaked out, rightfully so. And he's like, okay, shit, that's it. We're out of here. And uh, and he walks over to the Asian woman who brought AJ backstage. She's like, could you go get my buddies backstage? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, no, you took him backstage. And then suddenly, you know, she's like denying everything. And then Allison runs over and kind of takes him away. And she's like, excuse me, we'll be right back. And then... Keith's looking at Allison all googly eyed. He's like, you ever have one of those nights? And she's like, it, it, it's like, it looks like their conversation is going to continue. And it cuts to. And I noted that, by the way, he goes, you ever have one of those nights? And she actually opens her mouth and it fades out. And I was like, that was bad editing right there, you know, because yeah. you were yeah. like, yeah, I, I noted that. And it's one of the only the few things that were like a little bit wonky, you know. Which ultimately it makes sense in the sense that it probably gave a little too much information as to what was going to happen next. I think and that's so. Why they cut it. Yeah. But it should have just cut it right after he said that. Yeah. You know? Agreed. Yeah. And um, and cuts to the Asian girl, the Asian woman talking to Vic, and she's like, "There's a problem. He wasn't alone. You know, uh, he has a he has a friend talking about AJ. He's downstairs talking with the new girl, and I think there's another one of them." And cuts back to Keith. He's like, that's it. One number to get into a frat. Except now, I don't care. All I want to do is find my friend and get back to school. And Allison's like, wait, not Mr. Dynamite. You guys still hanging out? I knew it. Oh, come on. I bet he'll I bet he'll remember me. You see? And then she's trying to, they're, they're backstage. And she's trying to talk to the other strippers. And she's like, did you see a guy back here? She, yeah, she says, did you see a guy back here? And then she says, welcome to Bow Wow City. And she's, 
It's really funny. And uh, and basically everyone's acting like they don't even know what she's talking about or Keith is what as or Keith either. And uh, he's like, one of the girls brought her back here. Her, her. And and then finds the Asian woman again. He's and then she's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, your friend. He he went with home with uh another uh with another girl, and with Candy, and uh or something like that. No, no, you're right. It was it was Candy. She yeah, said and, Candy because the first time I was watching it, they go on this like journey to try to find. Candy. I couldn't really figure out what they were doing, but the second time I was like, okay. Uh, basically, Allison is taking him to where she thinks Candy would be multiple times. Like, okay, that's that's the journey they sort of go on. But yeah, it's it's Candy, and that was the singer, the dancer that was right after Katrina. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she's like, oh, she must have left and went back to the hotel. And she's like, I'll take you back there. That's where I stay too. And she's like, you want to you want to see AJ, right? She's like, well, come on, let's go, right? So she pushes him off to go leave, to, and I guess she, I'm assuming she goes to get her own stuff. And uh, yeah, because he's then, outside by himself, but they don't really kind of explain why she's not immediately right with him. But yeah, I yeah. guess you kind of like, OK, she's grabbing her shit, too. And he's just waiting out back. Yeah, exactly. And while he's waiting with the cool pink and green light in the background, which is so beautiful that they're probably projecting on a, on a one of the buildings. Yeah, there's, um, you know, there's actually like, yes, yeah, so there's two buildings. One is like lit with green. One's lit with like a fuchsia purplish. And there's... <clears throat> And as far as color theory goes, our, our buddy Tim from Talking Back, he's a, I believe he's a, pro- a professional artist. Like He went to college for that. I'm sure there's ideas behind color theory. But it's the same color palette that you sort of see uh, Green Goblin. Uh, you see uh, Skeletor. Mm. The, the villain color palette is always purple and, and neon green. And, and that kind of informs like a, a, as villain. And it's actually one of my favorite color palettes. But you watch this here, and that's kind of like the entire city is now purple and green ish. And I'm like, okay, that informs me that the city, that this part of the city that they're in is a villain too. Like you're in the villains layer. It's all connected. And, yep. and, and famously, you know, uh, uh, Richard Wank talks about it on, and actually the cinematographer talks about it on the, um, the, the, the making of on the arrow, blu-ray and he's like there's nothing more boring than shooting at night and just throwing up white lights like there's just nothing more boring than that so he did some test footage with this purple and and pinkish look and and richard wink was like yep that looks freaking awesome it doesn't look low budget at all no no it it, it's unique and special uh like other aspects of this movie Mm -hmm. artistic yeah totally artistic and so he's out there waiting for for Allison and Keith is, and he sees Vic, uh, or sorry, Vlad carrying what appears to be a body in a plastic bag, uh, like a la Fright Night. And a tow truck driver guy comes over and picks up the body and he pays him and takes off with him. Uh, suddenly Allison comes out and startles him and she's like, Oh, aren't we jumpy tonight? She's like, This is so weird. It's so weird. It's like a reunion or something. And then Keith's like, yeah, I wish I knew with who. And she's like, well, when the time is right, I promise to tell you. Which is kind of a running gag throughout this whole movie. right? And it's fun. Again, it keeps you engaged as a viewer. Yeah, exactly. It cuts back to Vic, and he's on, he, he's, he's on the phone. He's like, he's on his way. Don't screw it. You got it? All right. And they cut back to Allison and Keith walking down the street. And she's like, just having small talk with him about, you know, don't you want to know why I strip and, and saying, you know, it's, it's uh, jumping off the eventual start. And like, she tried the acting thing and that was a joke. And, uh, 
And then suddenly, as they're walking, they see a little girl on a step, a stoop of uh, outside of a hotel called the Maplewood. And they walk over to her, and they're like, little girl, where's your mommy? And she doesn't respond to them. And then Allison's like, parents like that should be shot. And it's funny. At first, I'm like, is that Newt from Aliens at first? (laughs) Carrie Carrie Hen. (laughs) Yeah, but it wasn't, obviously. And it cuts back to the club, and Vic and... The Asian girl and Katrina are in her lair. And Vic's like, you know, you screwed up. This is your sushi, baby. Oh, she must be Japanese, I guess. And uh, and and the woman was like, the Asian woman goes, she's so beautiful. You know, I thought I thought you'd like him to Katrina. And Vic's like, you, well, you know the rules. Only the transients, the loonies, the strays, the one that can't be traced. And then she goes, well, he said he was alone, that he was just passing through. He fit the profile. And she's like, he was a gift. And I love how, like, Vic was like, if, if, if I just had some power here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, cause he's so frustrated. Cause he's like, great, well, now i got to kill them both, alluding to Keith. And, and, and weirdly, he doesn't want to. That's the, that's, that's the interesting thing about Vic is that, you know, he, he, I don't think he necessarily wants to kill the people that, he doesn't want to kill. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't want to kill the people that he doesn't want to kill. Well, this goes back to like from dusk till dawn either as well. They are, they're not really villains, villains per se, these vampires, they're destroying people that no one cares about. They're, right. they're population control, if you will. Almost. Yeah. I mean, yeah. their perspective is not necessarily a malicious one. It's one of like, we're taking care of the problems in this world to sur- and we also have to survive at the same time. We're not going out and killing people in their homes. Yeah, you know? and and there's like this weird nobility. There's there's this no, there's sort of like a, a you know an honor uh, system to it. You know, which I thought I, I honestly think they do it better here than they do it in From Dust Till Dawn because Vic, especially later, and we'll call it out later, but he's when he's like you know basically says it was a, it was a miscommunication but we'll, we'll talk about that scene when we get to it because i really really like that conversation yeah me too yeah but but at this stage now he's like we just we just we got to get out of here we yeah. got to move yeah well, let's go to vegas like i suggested yeah. you know and it's funny because vegas is like yeah that's the dredges too and then and the asian woman's like you know uh like because vic wants to kill her and and katrina's like nope don't do it and the asian woman's like oh thank you i'm not here forever I'll be more careful. I pro- and I love when she says, I'm not here forever. Like, it's almost like, why? Because she's not going to work there much more? Or, yeah. you know. And then uh, and then suddenly, right after that, Katrina punches a hole in her chest and rips out her heart. It kills her. It's really good. Um, there's yeah. a, it's, it's, it's actually weirdly not as graphic as you think it is, but but its lack of graphicness, I mean, you do see the heart in her hand, but you see the more of the puncture wounds from, from the lady's backside, and it, you get to extrapolate outwards what that looked like, and that's what makes it effective. Yeah, it really does. And, and then Vic's like, well, I guess Vegas is out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Good humor. Then cuts back to... Allison and Keith going into her hotel that she's staying at and they go to the the front desk guy who's super creepy and but, she's but like wonderfully creepy like as an yes. actor like even he's having like he's interesting to watch as a viewer yeah I don't know um, I forget his name but I've I forget his name but I've seen him in other things as well uh but but he's like oh you know um she says oh so Allison says can you ring candy please and uh and and he goes and calls her 
And he says, uh, it's busy, but you can go up if you like, room 1309. And I'm interesting because I'm like, there's typically not a 13th floor on most hotels. You're right. You're actually right about that. Uh, most hotels don't have a 13th floor. Uh, this is also something that was, was, you know, there's a 13th floor in Ghostbusters at the Sedgwick. But in reality, actually, weirdly, a lot of buildings do not have 13th floors because they it's, it's bad luck. I, I feel like that's an older thing. I feel like you don't see it probably in newer buildings. But back in the day, it went from 12 to 14, essentially. And there's no 13th Street. In Santa Monica, yep. it's Euclid. Yep. So exactly. Uh, yeah, and he's like ogling the the creepy, you know, front desk guys ogling them as as they're getting on the elevator, and Keith and Allison get on the elevator, and there's a the 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 elevator guy has a bad toupee on his head, which causes them to try not to, they're trying not to crack up, which is really cute. It's it a really cute, cute moment. Yeah. Because they again, DD fight Allison like looks super sexy and cute at the same time i love it um and i like this this part too where the elevator door opens up and you know keith's not even thinking about it. he just like walks out because that's what you would do when El- right when it opens up you're like okay cool and i like how allison's right behind him except she looks up and she's like oh shit wait a minute it's not 13 it's 12 and then the door closes i thought that was very effective like editing and everything it was really cool Oh, yeah, it really is. And, and it builds to a semi-creepy scene, too. Actually, it builds to a very good tense scene. Yeah, absolutely. One of the most tense scenes in the movie, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, we cut back to Vic and, at the club with Vlad. Vic's, like, speculating. He's like, you know, we should have heard something by now. I don't like it. If something goes wrong, that queen bitch is going to chew my ass up. And then at the same time, he looks over to Vlad, and Vlad is like looking at a parchment paper with uh, Katrina's face as a sphinx mm-hmm. or an Egyptian face. And he and he's and Vic says to him, "Vlad, give it up. There's nothing on a, There's nothing going on between you and her anymore. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. All you are is a quick fix. But hey, what do I know? Oh, but Vlad- he, like he he growls at him, and I love how Vic's like, oh. Uh, Oh, what yeah. do I know? What do I know? Yeah. It, it's it's great because even Vic was kind of like scared of Vlad, you know. It, it was cool. I liked it because there's there's a story there and we don't know it. And that's what I fucking love about world building. Yeah, I love me too. Me too. Because it, back in the day when uh, Star Wars A New Hope, you know, came out and, and you know, uh, Obi-Wan mentions to Luke, you know, your dad fought in the Clone Wars. Like before we saw the prequels, like before they wrote books or whatever, the fact that like you had an idea that there was something before the movie started, that's the kind of shit that I fucking love when you allude to something that the audience will never see, but the characters clearly know about. I love that shit. Yeah, it's great. It's so smart. So smart. Come back to the hotel and the elevator opens and Keith gets off, but he realizes it's on the 12th floor. Allison's still in there and the elevator door shuts close fast. Keith starts walking down the hallway and he hears people screaming at each other and it's super tense because it's just like a long, creepy hallway. He gets down to the end of the hallway and like doors are locked he can't go anywhere so he goes back the elevator door opens back up it's now empty he he goes to get on it but as soon as he does he gets halfway in and the door slams on his chest sticking like keeping him stuck between between the door and at this point now the elevator starts moving up and uh sorry down so it starts moving down and yeah 
down? No, I think it was. It's moving up because his head's going towards the top. That's right. That's right. It's it's moving. It doesn't matter. He's stuck. It's moving. It's stuck. De- death is imminent. <laughs> the elevator's moving up. It's gonna crush his skull. He's gonna die. But and so he's looking around trying to push the buttons to stop the elevator, and then he can't reach that. And then he sees the fire extinguisher in the elevator and goes to reach for that. He's getting closer and closer, but the elevator's getting starting to smush him even more. Able to pull the ele- the extinguisher off the elevator wall and sandwiches it it, it in between the door, uh, the doorway to keep him from getting crushed. And he's able to pull himself out. And as soon as he does, the elevator shuts immediately and it's such a snap moment and it's so fast and it's so intense and you're like whoa damn that was really shot well it was shot fantastically and i was essentially like the guys in hot tub time machine waiting for crispin glover to get his arm cut off because at this point i was like i don't know if 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 keith is gonna die or not because aj's dead so as this is happening i'm like i'm basically like this is it this is it it's i'm like rob cordry in hot tub time machine i'm like it's happening it's happening, and, you know, and I was I was on the edge of my seat, dude. This was a fantastically filmed, uh, uh, you know, tense, tense scene. And it's a testimony to, to Richard Wank's ability and and the editing, too. It's a very tense scene. And I thought I didn't know where it was going to go and how it was going to end. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. From there, you cut to uh, Keith outside the hotel uh, and in the in the in the lobby he's like run down the stairs i guess from the from, from the stairs yeah right? he, he took the stairs he's like fuck yeah. it. i'm not taking the elevator allison comes out and she's like where were you i was looking for you and he's like we got to get out of here and she's like w- w- what happened to you? you look awful and they cut to they leave they leave the hotel the doorman comes out for a second to see what's going on and then like runs inside to like make a phone call I, i'm assuming yeah to, to call vic. yeah call vic um because everyone's all connected right and they get outside and she's like, what happened to you? What, you know? And, and he's like looking all disheveled. Keith's like the girl, what did she say? And he goes, I went to her apartment. It was like, no one even lived there. What are you so testy about? He's like, you want to know why I'm testy? I'll tell you why I'm testy today. I was nearly hung. I got into a fight with a psychotic albino. I met a human pincushion in the bathroom. I ate a cockroach. My best friend disappears. Then I'm nearly assassinated by an elevator. I've had a bad day. All I want is to find AJ and get back to school. Is that too much to ask for? And she's like, no, but I don't see what the hurry is. He'll probably show up. It's like she totally ignored everything he just said. Yeah, and you're right. He does say it like he's like, I heard a bad day. And it's funny. <laughs> it's, it, there's, it's a funny way that he says it, but I like it. I like it. But she's she's oblivious and not in a bad way and it's sort of not in an airhead way either. Um, it, it was mentioned on the by her she, about the character um, by, by D.D. Pfeiffer on the, the making of. And she's like... It, uh, Allison just loves love. She loves love, and and that's what the character's all about. And I I see that. I really see that because I didn't find her annoying at all, to be truthful with you. And she could have been. She easily could have been. I didn't. I, the only reason I didn't find her annoying is because she's super beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. If she was not as good looking as she is, then she would have been annoying. Yeah. I, I think that's the case. Well, I, I think 
that's why we get away with so much because you and I are so good looking that we can get away with being annoying. <laughs> that's right. That's what my wife says to me all the time. She's like, you're super annoying, but you're incredibly good looking. So <laughs> you're like one over the other. You're like, that's, that's quite the compliment. Thank you. No, she doesn't. She doesn't say that to me. I know. She's, if she ever listens to one of our episodes, she's gonna be like, don't throw me under the bus. That's not true. <laughs> and there are times when she's like, that's not, I, that's not true. I'm like, Oh, uh, I can't go back and edit it. So <laughs> Corey's got all the control of that. Yeah, and, and I'm, I, and I have, have a healthy dose of uh, of fear for femme french so <laughs> <laughs> as you should okay. as i should <laughs> um so yeah so uh he's he's she's like i don't see what the hurry is he's like listen he's like where else would a would a girl like candy take aj and she's and then she gets all offended she's like you mean a girl like me just say it look i was trying to be helpful i was trying to be nice maybe you and me some spence if maybe you and me spent some time i'll screw it you know if you knew me a little better and just storms off, he's like, I don't know you at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I was like, you jumped to that conclusion. You have a guilty conscience because I didn't think that of him saying, like, where would a girl like Candy go? Meaning yeah. where would a girl like you go? And I'm like, oh, you got a guilty conscience because I didn't think he was referring to you. Exactly. And then she kind of comes back. She's like, that's the other thing. How come I remember you so well? And you obviously our moment together wasn't as important to you as it was to me. Yeah, and she kind of just And he's like, like yeah. what <laughs> moment? <laughs> Cut back to Duncan at the club, stumbling around, and he's like looking at all the different dancers and trying to just hit on them. And he's like, I love you. No, I love you. Say, babe. And he walks over to one. He's like, I love this. He goes, say, babe, what time do you get off? And she goes, 2.30. And he goes, can I watch? <laughs> and And – I apologize. My notes earlier, I, I said that it was when he was talking to to, to Candy. It, it's actually, it was here. You can tell that this lady opens her mouth to say something, but if it fades to black. It was. It's actually this scene that I was thinking about is the one that was a little bit wonky. She was the one that was about to retort back to Duncan, but it cuts without her having the retort. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Well, it, it cuts to Vic and, and Vic again. Well, you hear Vic and, and you hear Vic say, all right, anybody want to claim this lush? Kind of like he did earlier in the movie, alluding to another dead body. Yep. Because that's where the vamps have been sucking it and ditching it. Uh, <laughs> that was intentional. <laughs> hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. 
And now, back to the show. From there, we cut back to Keith on the street and Snow, Snowball. Snowflake. Yeah, yeah. A.K.A. Snowball, A.K.A. Snowflake. And by the way, yeah. because of clerks, we all know what Snowball means. We sure do. And uh, suddenly Keith's walking around and then you hear, we've been looking for you. And Keith realizes it's Snowball and he goes, hey, Snowball, how's it hanging? <laughs> and Snowball gets out of the car and so do three other dudes. Yep. So you realize, <laughs> oh, this is all the people. All this six. Is the six. Yep, yep. You're right, dude. You're you're right. I didn't put that together the first two times that I watched it. So thank you. Six cups. Yep. Three dudes, six cups. And uh, <laughs> good one, good one, dude. And so Keith's like, ah, oh, shit. And and then uh, they start chasing him, basically. And they're chasing him all over the city. Uh, it's kind of an industrial area. Uh, Keith uh, goes to hide. He hides by going into a sewer. He drops down into a sewer that has an open manhole cover. The, the cleanest sewer you've ever seen in your entire life. I love it, though. Yeah. I love it. This is so memorable to me uh, because it, it actually influenced the way I played with my toys at the time uh, because it, it, it created a whole new universe for me of like, oh, what's down there? It's so cool. It just it just feels neat. It made me want to go into sewers, which I definitely will not. Yeah. Uh, and, and this was all a set to built um, and they just kind of obviously moved it around, moved the camera around. And, you know, it's like it's really only like two tubes, but the way they film it, you know, it makes it look like it's it's much bigger and everything. And the, uh, uh, you know, green and purple lighting is is also in here as well and i i love it man i love the look of this film exactly me so do i so do i uh and so he's hiding in the sewer they finally spot him one of the one of the vamps and this guy looks familiar i don't know what movie he's from um because i didn't again do a, a, a deep enough dive on a semi-unknown character actor uh, but he's I definitely recognize this guy from other B movies of the time of the of of the day on VHS. Oh, I Not know. Where you, I, I know where you know him from, buddy boy, buddy boy from so, transfers. Yes. And that is it. That's, wow. Yep. And we're going to do transfers eventually. I know PG-13, we, we need to. It. And it was that transfers movie that I watched when I was a kid, but I haven't seen it in freaking forever. Um, and I and I apologize. I swear to God, I thought it was transfers. Um, yeah. I, there was another character that we just saw recently, and I don't know if it's this movie, but yeah, there was a Transfers connection, and I, I know where you're getting that from. But this guy that you're thinking of actually is from Jim Cotta. He played Thorg and Jim Cotta. Yes. So that guy wasn't in Transfers, but Jim Cotta, but close enough because yeah. I love both of yeah. those movies. Yeah. And I totally know who that is. He, yeah, he's been in a bunch of other things too, but um, he, he spots Keith in the sewer. Uh, he basically traps Keith in the sewer by pulling the manhole cover over it. And now Keith is stuck down there and trying to find a way to get out. Uh, and in the meantime, they're kind of like, they're waiting for him to come out of the sewer, like lurking around. And the little girl comes up to, uh, Keith finds like a, it's not, it's a sewer. It's where the, the water runs off into the sewer. Yeah. And he, he can, he's looking through there and he sees the guy who covered him in the manhole approaching the little girl that was at the hotel. But I like how Keith's like telling her to run, but I like how the little girl's like, 
looking around like who who's yeah. talking to me <laughs> so i'll back up a little bit so he first spots the little girl all by herself and he's trying to get her attention and you're going psst, psst, hey 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 and then suddenly the big hulk uh, uh snowballs gang the other albino because they're all three albinos yeah. by the way uh they walk it's funny they're three albinos and i think it's like three black women uh or there's f- sorry four albinos and two al- two black women yeah um and so the the guy comes up the big guy comes over to the girl he's like hey well now where's where's your mama little girl and then suddenly she bites him she bites him on a hand and he's swinging her around like like a like a rag doll it's <laughs> hilarious because he's flailing around and she's and she's like arr, arr, arr. and she's like latched onto his arm and and yeah. Keith is watching this from his from his very Pennywise you know position of, yes. of of the of the drain runoff but it's a very fun scene because the it's the Abido gang members like trying to fight this little freaking you know six year old vampire off his arm and I can't tell if it's like a fake dummy or what but he. He's he's moving her and she's kind of like holding her position. So if that is the actress, it's it's a good scene. It's really really interesting. Yeah, it's really funny because and then suddenly they're out they're out of focus. Um, and you're you're like, where'd he go? And the body plops down right in front of Keith's face, in front of the grate, and he's dead. Yeah. And Keith freaks out, starts backing away in the sewer still, and he runs into like a homeless guy underground, and the guy's like, hey. I found my friend and he's got a rat in his hand and the guy crunches into the rat. And then at that point, Keith gets out of the sewer, finds a way to get out of the sewer is on the street now. And then he gets spotted by snow and his gang again. And, and he runs off down an alleyway that has a fence connected to it and a dumpster and he can't get out because the fence is closed. So he jumps into the dumpster and as he's waiting for snow to pass by, which he does and leaves, uh, AJ goes to get out of the dumpster and grabs a piece of the garbage bag that's in there. And what does it reveal? But AJ's dead body. Ugh. He freaks out. He screams, AJ, Jesus, oh, hey. And he starts calling for help. And uh, and then he jumps out of the dumpster. And the other body that's in the dumpster is of the Asian girl yep. as well. That was cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And AJ's got you know two big gashes in his neck. He runs to a payphone. And he goes to call the cops. From there, he cuts to Vlad with Katrina. And Vlad is saying, uh, or, uh, Vic, Vic, Vlad, and Katrina. And Vic's like, don't worry. I'll take care of the cops. I'll tell them a story like I always do. They won't follow up. They don't care what happens down here. And then he's like, hey, have you given any more thought to my idea? A club in Vegas? <laughs> New blood, see? They're all tourists. I hear that clubs are very hot right now in Vegas. We'll do nicely. And then uh, and then suddenly he yells to Bla- Vlad. He's like, Vlad, bring the trash back in here. And Vlad takes off. And then Katrina t- takes a razor blade out, and she slices her wrist open with the razor blade. Really good disgusting. effect. Really, really good. good effect. Yeah, the, the, the bite wounds, by the way, in uh, AJ are great, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here it's like, um, you know, she, she it's, her, it's, it's Grace Jones's arm, so you know that they have, like, a fake thing by her, by her wrist, and they probably have a bladder going in, you know, running up her arm. But it's really effective because it, her arm is just skin, and they did a good job of really hiding it. So when she cuts into it, man, it looks like... Like she's cutting into her actual flesh. Oh, it's disgusting. And then Vlad goes, nasty habit. 
And or Vic. He, Vic says that. Vic, sorry, Vic. Vic says nasty habit. Nasty. And he reaches down and he starts sucking blood out of her wrist. And I like Disgusting. the look on Grace Jones's face. She kind of like looks up, and it's it's not ecstasy. Like you're always sort of expecting from vampire stuff. She just does something else with it with her face, but she does something, and I like it. There there is there's something going on with her emotions there, and I oh, dig yeah. it. Yeah, totally. Like they're they're both deriving pleasure from this in some way. Yeah. <laughs> from there, you cut to Keith showing up back at back at the club, which is kind of an interesting choice uh, because you know that eight. Well, man, he doesn't really know just yet where AJ died and how he died, right? Yeah. Uh, so he gets back in there and and sees Duncan and uh, and he's like, did "The police, did they get here yet?" And he tells Duncan, "He's like, AJ's dead." He's like, "Stay here, right?" And uh, and Keith goes into the bathroom, into a bathroom stall, I guess to think. Yeah, I guess <laughs> to like collect his thoughts. And and as they get older, I do appreciate the solace that the the, the closed bathroom sort of gives you, you know. And I'm sure yeah. you know as a, as a dad, it's like this is my moment. This is the only time I have to myself. So like I kind of get that now. So yeah, he goes in there, but it's weird because he splashes his face. He goes in there and he kind of takes a toilet paper and starts wiping it off his face. But you and I know the way toilet paper is, it would have just melted on his face and like like yeah, I hate using toilet paper as like paper towels to try to wipe up water because it never works and it's so no. and I hate wet paper. Wet paper grosses me out. So when he was wiping that on his face, I was like, dude, you're gonna have like little toilet paper things on your face. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and so he goes in the stall and someone starts jiggling the, the door and he's like, uh, it's occupied. <laughs> Occupado. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody in here, and suddenly the door gets ripped open and it's AJ. Keith is shocked. He's like, what the hell? Corey was shocked. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, whoa, they did not expect that. No. And, and AJ's like, relax. It was just a joke. And Keith is pissed now. He's like, I thought you, he goes, you asshole, you scared the shit out of me. And he goes, relax, relax. He goes, you were dead. You were in a dumpster. I thought Snowflake had killed you. And he goes, well, no, you see, I was rolled. And anyone can have an off night like he got taken advantage of. Like maybe he was past, he got roofied basically okay I yeah i was wondering what i was rolled means and i, I guess... think he was alluding to being roofied okay you know, yeah which roofied wasn't a thing back in 86 but yeah it, yeah the term roofied now we all understand but at the time yeah, okay i got you i got you so they're kind of having a tit for tat back and forth and vic comes to the bathroom and he's like hey you to keith he's like there's some uniformed gentlemen in the back that want to see you and uh he goes to the back with the cops are there and Keith's like, look, I found my friend, okay? And the cops are pissed because they're like, look, you know. We don't like coming down here. This is a yeah, bad part of town. You're wasting our time, yeah. right? And the, and the cop's like, I'm sick to my stomach now, right? Uh, and all thanks to your you and your dead friend here. This is not a nice area. So I want you to, three to get out of here and go home before I lock you up. And the basically. whole time, fucking AJ is like sucking on the finger of the of the hot, hairy, underarmed uh, dom- dominatrix lady, and uh, he's just. And you can tell, like his makeup. They, you can tell they're doing some subtle stuff with his makeup to give him that zombie look to him. You know. Yeah, he looks more pale. Yeah. Uh, because you know the AJ originally is like this tan, hunky guy, and now he looks more kind of gaunt and pale. And it's good because and, it's not in your face right now it will be no. in a second but it's subtle right now which i like yeah very subtle and so the cops are you know the cops are like get out of here basically and vic's like look officers why don't i uh you know i know you like to catch the last act why don't i escort you over there 
and Duncan's like, hey, guys, do you mind if I catch the last act? And they're like, and AJ's like, yeah, we'll, we'll see you out there in a few minutes because at this point now they're backstage where the yeah. strippers are. Mm-hmm. I like when um, when they all leave. And once the commotion in the doorway leaves, you know, Vic, the cops, Duncan, everything, you realize that Katrina was behind them the whole time. You didn't really, she wasn't even making any kind of emotion. And her fucking outfit is so interesting. She's got like this metal samurai frame on. It's not filled in, but it's like a metal frame. It's really interesting. And uh, famously, there's a lot of famous stories of Grace Jones on the set of this film. Uh, there's this famous uh, vibrator story and everything. But one of the things that that uh, Stephen Wink, uh, I'm sorry, Richard Wink, mentioned on um, the documentary, we didn't bring it up, but he mentioned it on the documentary, because we didn't want to kind of retread things, uh, that when she came in to do, when Grace Jones came in to do her ADR, she did all of her own ADR for all the grunts and everything that she does, which is respectful in, in and of itself, but she was wearing an outfit very similar to that, very metal, very clanky, and every time she was like doing stuff and motions and everything, it, the, the the sound booth was picking up on all the clanking, and they were like, Grace, you, you can't move, you gotta like, and she was like, fuck it. So she famously, and this is a, something you can look up online, people talk about she famously fucking just stripped and did her ADRs naked in the fucking booth and that's that's Grace Jones that's her in a nutshell right there she's like fuck it I'll do it naked then I mean nudity's nudity it, some people don't care some people do so yeah and some people uh, want to see certain people naked and some people don't want to see certain people naked no one wants to see that. me naked <laughs> <laughs> people probably do want to see Zach naked <laughs> have their moments who knows i'm a shower not i'm a grower not a shower um i'm just gonna say so uh so yeah so you cut back to katrina leaves as well and now it's just aj keith and uh, dominique the yep. hairy underarms and um <laughs> again beautiful lady but yeah very and, and startling and very startling very startling and keith's like you know i'm pissed at you right and he's like and aj's like look they treat you really good here and Keith's like, well, we can forget about the fraternity. Why don't we just go back home? He's like, what's the rush? Come on. This is this place is great. He's trying to convince him of that, right? Because Keith, at this second, doesn't know that AJ's a vampire. Ex- right, exactly. And as that happens, uh, suddenly, he's like, AJ says to uh, Dominique, he's like, would you call my friend down here, please? I've been trying to get him to relax for years. And, and Keith's like, I'm fine. Let's just get out of here, please. And, uh, and, and suddenly, out of nowhere, she turns into a vampire and attacks Keith. Keith uh, holds her off. They wrestle to the ground. He picks up a heel from a shoe and, or a shoe and jams the heel into Cine, uh, Dominique's chest. I thought her name was Cimarron, Cimarron for some reason. But. <laughs> and I like when she did attack him, AJ tried to stop her. You know, he's like, no, wait. And and even though he knows what she is and everything, but he doesn't want Keith to die. But she kind of like knocks him back and against the wall and everything. But I like how AJ tried to save Keith in that moment. She did. He did. And, and when he knocks him back, it's almost like he's super weak. You know, yeah. he hasn't like achieved full like vampire status yet yeah and uh and after keith kills uh dominique you hear aj say i didn't think you had it in you looks like you discovered the only way out of here pal and and keith's like what the hell are you talking about man he's like the club everyone here man they're all vampires and then he's like we can't let you leave we got a problem here 
the dialogue's a little wonky here because he goes, he goes, we can't let you leave. We got a problem here. Yeah, like qu- like questioning that, and he's like, why don't we go home? And uh, Keith's like, yeah, we'll, we'll call a doctor or something. He goes, you don't get it, do you? Home is a million miles uh, miles away from now. Yeah, I, I like that. Home is a million miles away from me. I, I I like that. That was very insightful into his his mental state. You know. Yeah, yeah. He's like, home's another planet. He goes, I'm a fucking zombie now, and he starts turning more into a vampire. He goes, I mean, look at me. He's got the teeth. He's like, watch out, man. I love when he says, like, he goes, I love you, Keith. And because yeah. you could see the you could see the legitimacy in, in his eyes. He's like, I love you, Keith. But all I can see right now is food. And I'm starving. And I love how Keith's like, okay, just take a little bit. And he's like, do I look like a mosquito to you, man? You know, it's it's really, I, dude, it, it's it's weirdly, the dialogue is weirdly stilted in this in this scene. But at yeah. the same time, I felt that it was genuine. Like I was kind of putting myself in like if it was me and you or something. And, and you know, it's like I don't want to do this, man, but yeah. I have to. And he, you could see fucking AJ like really trying to fight it. And these like movies have done this. Vampire movies have done this so many times before and since of the, of the one person not wanting to be a vampire. And, and this isn't maybe the best like written dialogue version of it, but passionate energy wise, I felt it. And that's what's and that's what makes it work. If the dialogue doesn't always work, the the energy behind it and the love behind it does make it work. And I completely believe uh, AJ and Keith's camaraderie, and I completely believe their love, and I completely believe the 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 struggles that AJ is going through at this moment. This is this scene is really as we again, it's not perfect, but yet it's perfect for this film. I, I really love this scene, and, and there's so much I, there's so much dialogue to go through. Um, so, but I, so I won't I won't do that. I'll let the movie speak for itself. But the, there's a lot of like description of what vampires are, and and you know like the line. I love how AJ says, "You're you're carrying my next meal around with you with you. You're carrying my next meal around with you in your veins." Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's like, "Look," and, and Keith's basically like, "Okay, just." Take me out, but don't make it hurt. And and what en- what ends up happening though is Keith is like no, or AJ's like no, I want you to kill me, man. Mm-hmm. Like take me out. And AJ Keith doesn't want to do it. And I love what so- Keith like AJ then is like. You really think that like there there's still the old me inside, and yep. and he kind of like moves away, and he goes maybe there is, and then there's this like beat, and he goes nah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? There, I love there's that. still humor. There's still these little moments of humor in this very heartfelt emotional scene, you know. And that's yeah. this is when you know, and I like how like even AJ is like you can kill them by, and he actually this is where he explains how you can kill the vampires, and and, and Keith will use that later. But I like how it's like you can use sunlight. You can. He's like, I think I got a list on me somewhere. <laughs> he kind of pats yeah. it down. Like like there was like once he got turned into a vampire, there was like like a little crib notes. They're like, hey, here's the crib notes from being a vampire. Take this. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's he a goes, cute little moment. All that's it's so great because yeah, he 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 says all that stuff works. The fire, the the wooden stakes, the sunlight. And then he puts the stake in Keith's hands to use it, but Keith won't do it. Keith won't kill him, but then he pulls Keith into him and basically kills himself. Yeah. It's and so he falls good. back so good. And he's like he's like uh you know, he goes, 
he's still he's dying and he's like remember he goes now get out of here he goes remember you can you can you can burn or keep them from their coffins past sunrise and he's, he goes i think you know the other one <laughs> yeah. and then, <laughs> but and then as, splits. It, but no but as he's dying he's also he he reaches in his pocket and throws him the keys to the car too yeah totally it's so smart it's almost like one of those like hold on a second as i'm dying let me give you the keys yeah. to the one car last wish get the, yeah <laughs> it's exactly great. it's and, and i love when he because he went when he goes to attack keith Keith's holding the the it's actually fake wood which you'll find out later but he's holding it and right when he goes to attack Keith he basically grabs the wood and pushes it upwards into his own chest like it's like he only had control of his hand whereas the rest of his body was like initiating the attack yeah. oh, dude it's not a perfect scene but it's perfect for vamp and that's what I love about it oh I think yeah I think the scene is fantastic it's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire film ditto it's great it's 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 fantastic from there we cut back to vic who's like telling everyone it's last call they, but they gotta don't forget our single man special you, all you can drink for a dollar come along you drink yourselves into another world and and those are things that i i picked up on the second viewing is stuff like that the whole like can anyone claim this person and you think that they're just drunk but they're not they're dead and then here when Vic's like yeah all you can drink for a dollar and you know like my first viewing I, I was pretty high and everything but the second viewing you know I'm so stone cold sober taking notes and everything and I'm like oh that's clever one dollar for all you can drink you're basically like just go get yourself fucked up you're dead anyways you know you're gonna be dead exactly and uh Keith Keith sees Duncan. He's like, come. On. He grabs Duncan to get out of there. Duncan's like playing pool, and uh, and Duncan's like, hey, it's not fair. I only had to promise him fifty dollars or something like that. And so it's Duncan, uh, Allison, and Keith are getting out, and they're trying to get out of the bar. And then Vic says, excuse me, there seems to be a little problem with your bill. Keith's like nervous as hell, and and Vic's like, well, when it clears out. Uh, why don't you and me go in the back and have a little conversation? We can I, we can handle it personally. And then Keith yells out, "Call the police! These people are all vampires!" And then some guy yells, and some guy yells just from the background. He goes, "That doesn't make the bad people." And literally, this was the moment where I was like, "This movie's fucking genius!" Like so that great. killed me. And even the second time that I watched it, that killed me. That fucking dialogue is fucking genius. I loved it. Doesn't make them bad people. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. It was. It's such like a. It's such a comedy thing, man. This movie is fucking hilarious, dude. It really is. It's so brilliant. At that point, it's just like, it's it's a tense moment, but but lightened by that. It's perfect. It's perfect in my opinion. Vic and uh, Keith go to the bar, and and Keith's like, "Why'd you pick on us?" And Vic's like, "It was a mistake. Okay, it was a little communication error. I'm sorry." And this is another piece of dialogue that I also very much enjoyed because you saw the sincerity in Vic's eyes. And, and I, I almost kind of want to believe that Vic at one point was a good guy and he believes that what he's doing is it's like kind of like a necessary evil and everything. And I liked that. I liked he was like, you know, he was like, look, I, I, you know, it's kind of like one of those things like I'm going to level with you. It was miscommunication. I'm sorry. This never should have happened to you. And that, that's that's very interesting to me. It's it, because. You know, as well as I do, the best villains don't know that they're villains. You know what I mean? They think that they're doing the right thing. They think that they're good guys. And I think in this moment, Vic was like, 
dude, I am so sorry. In another life, this wouldn't have happened to you, and I apologize for well, it. Yeah. It's really I mean, cool. He's not necessarily a bad guy because what he says is he's like, I, I run an essential service here, mm-hmm. waste disposal. He's like, look around, the sickies, the degenerates, the forlorn, the lost, the lowlifes, the fucking dregs of humanity wind up here, and we take care of them. It costs you nothing. So he doesn't, yeah, he's the good guy in his mind, right? Yeah. And then Keith's like, yeah, well, just my best friend. He's like, hey, nobody's perfect, but I do the best I can. You know, <laughs> he's like, I used to, this club used to be something. And it talks about all the famous people that used to come in there. And while he's talking, Keith eyes one of the vampire women strippers coming out of a cellar with some alcohol. And and then he looks back and, and uh, Vic continues kind of talking about how great this place is and uh, and he's like, you know, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? We're everywhere. And uh, and then out of nowhere, like, there's a slight pause, and Vic goes, hey, can I ask you something? You ever been to Vegas? <laughs> and then Keith's like, hey, how about you buy us the last round? You know, kind of a last request, like they do in Vegas. And Vic's like, they do that in Vegas? Oh, that's classy. That's classy. I love that. Vic was like, they do that in Vegas? That's cool, really cool. Man. <laughs> and he's like, look. You give this guy whatever he wants, right? Yeah. And so uh, and Keith's like, give me a brandy, make it three. He's like, make them doubles, triples, hell, leave us the whole bottle. I'm not driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not going anywhere. And then so he gets the three cups of brandy, and he starts uh, spilling them on the ground, and he gives one to Allison and Duncan, and he's like, look, spill these everywhere. And comes back to the bar. Vic's still talking to him. Uh, he goes to like cheers Vic, but he spills the brandy on Vic and Vic just laughs and goes to like clean himself off. And then uh, Keith dips a napkin in the brandy, lights it on fire and lights the whole place on fire. Lights yeah. it up. Lights it up. And suddenly they he grabs uh, Keith, grabs Allison and Duncan. They go down the trap door. He's like, come on, there's a trap door. Did you see by the pool table when the ground catches fire, there's that one, you know, vampire, but, you know, actress, the fire gets really close to her, and she, like, fucking jumps oh. back against the, the corner. I was like, oh, whoa. Oh, shit, I didn't see that. That's <laughs> I was like, hilarious. whoa, that was a little too close. <laughs> that is, that's funny. And then I love this part, too, because uh, they're, they're, they're going to split, and then Allison, like, takes a pause and goes to the cash, re- cash register, and Keith's like, what are you doing? And, and and then Allison goes, the bitch owes me money. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> and so they leave, and the place is lit up. They get out, uh, and it cuts back to Vic and and, he, and, and Vlad in, in their office. Yeah. In the office, yeah. And uh, and he's pouring a drink, and he's like, my first drink in 75 years. He's like, Vlad to the good old days. And Vlad looks like he's going to cry. And uh, – and, and you cut back down to Vic's arm, and it's on fire. So, and, so, and they're done. Well, maybe. So was the act of of Vic drinking the alcohol set him on fire? Because seventy five years is probably how long he's been, you know, a vampire for. Um, because I, I, I didn't quite understand this. So he's not on fire. Uh, he he take he's about to take his drink, and Vlad kind of looks very sad, kind of looks away, like I don't want to see this. And then the the hand goes back down, and it's on fire. So drinking the alcohol itself is what caught Vic on fire. I guess 
is that a vampire thing? Because I know, like, I've seen in other vampire movies where if a vampire eats something that's not blood, they, like, vomit. It's all crazy and everything. So I was like, is this another one of those things where they can't drink alcohol or they'll catch on fire? I mean, I guess so. I'm going to say yes yeah. with a question mark. Yes, question. It, it, it's, it's a moment where I'm like, maybe he was already on fire and he's just having his drink and, you know, the whole place is burning down anyways because there's fire in the office too, so. But but Vlad doesn't catch. Yeah, it, that's the only thing that was a little wonky. But, yeah, guys and gals, uh, leave us a message on, in, you know, Instagram and everything. If there's a vampire thing that I don't sort of know about where you can't, they can't drink alcohol or they catch on fire, I'm just curious. That's all. So, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it, it, I'd still like how Vic went out on his own terms, you know? Yeah. Good, good, uh, good question, though. Good question. <laughs> From there, uh, Keith, Allison, and Duncan split. They get in the, they, they're able to get out of the cellar and onto the main street. They get into the car, they drive off. Uh, but then the garbage, the tow truck from earlier, um, the garbage truck. I meant to, I meant to say that too. Sorry, I cut all that. I forgot about that garbage truck. Uh, that was the whole reason why Keith got in the dumpster in the first place. Yeah, it's it's okay. Whatever. Yeah, so there was Anyways. a there, there was a moment earlier where Keith uh, tries to flag down the garbage truck and it tries to kill him. It yeah, it's yeah. fine. And he and here they get in that car. First off, the car gets sideswiped by the fucking uh, uh, tow truck, tow truck and, yeah. and is fine. Like and by the way, testimony to fucking they don't make cars like they used to. No. You know what I mean? But yeah, and then and then they get chased essentially by the 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 tow truck and the garbage truck. Yeah, they get chased. Yeah, so they're getting chased by them. Uh, they get stuck, and uh, it looks like both the tow truck and the garbage truck are gonna just crush them together. And uh, but Keith eyes a guy coming out of uh, essentially, I'm assuming the club, getting in his car from a parking spot and driving off. And it, it's very tense because it cuts back Great and scene. forth to the tow truck to the. Uh, Keith and the guy drive getting ready to leave. He drives off and there's a gap like where the guy parked is there's a sidewalk area. So he drives through the where the guy had parked onto the sidewalk and the tow truck and the garbage truck at the exact moment collide into each other and both people fly out of their cars and they're dead. Very good well, stunt. Well, you think you the think. garbage truck, the garbage truck guy appears to be dead. He comes out and flies out of his car. Yeah, we'll get back to that in a second. Exactly. Very cool stunt, though. Very cool stunt. Very cool scene. Very cool tension. Um, very expertly crafted scene. Yes, and and the and they drive off. Keith and the gang drive off, but then Keith asks how Duncan's doing in the back, and he's like, "You okay?" And he's like, "I'm hungry," and and then. Keith's like, he's okay. He, he's fine. And then um, right after that, uh, he goes, no, no, I mean, I'm starving. And Keith's like, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll order some pizza when we get back to school, if that's okay with you. And he says, guys, and, and Keith's like, wait, 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 what? And, and I love how back. Keith, Keith looks in the 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 rearview mirror and nothing's yep. there. You know, looks in the yeah, looks in the rearview and it's empty, obviously. And you and you don't see Keith or Duncan fully because there's a lot of shadow over his face but he's clearly turned into a vampire and he's kind of flailing around in the backseat like it's very spazzy it's really funny actually and then um keith is like swerving out of control at this point and they crash the car and at and allison and keith get out of the car the car's on fire and duncan's still in the back 
apparently not knowing how to use the back seat because <laughs> yeah. he's like stuck back there and, <laughs> and he slams against the glass he's like guys, guys! <laughs> and then the car just explodes and he dies and but the, and then like in in the fire there's still like the 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 charred skeleton version of him and like he gets one last guys as yeah, he dies really and it's sad but it's also funny at the same time and you don't want to see duncan die but at least uh at least with him dying it's funny you know and he's banging on the window guys <laughs> no one no like one ever it. liked him anyways yeah so, it's you know. fine it's fine <laughs> <laughs> poor duncan poor duncan so from there allison and keith run off they go to a pawn shop and keith's trying to break the the metal barrier between you know you know like the the cage that yeah, you the close gate. the the gate and uh suddenly allison's on the other side because there's a hole in the gate she's like looks like already had someone already had an idea to break into this place so they break into the pawn shop he's looking for guns uh he picked he pulls picks up a gun he goes he yells to allison go look for bullets and he pulls out a bow and arrow and like it's a, it's a great shot because it shows like it's like, yeah, he's really into this. Like, he knows how to use this thing. He's an expert. And it cuts back to Allison. She's got a bazooka in her hand. And he's <laughs> which, like, which reminded me of Commando. Very Commando-esque with uh, oh, Ray Dong Chong. Totally, totally. And she's like, where'd you get that with a bow and arrow? Because he's pointed right at her. And he yells to her, get back. And she's like, and he goes, I'm good with this. Believe me. And she's like, look, no fangs. Come on. Like, she's thinking that he's talking about her with the fangs, right? Mm-hmm. And she shows her teeth. And he goes, tell me your real name. And she goes, this isn't exactly the time I had in mind. I thought maybe, maybe. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, he shoots the bow at her. And it because there's a vampire right behind her that's about to attack her. It's like the garbage man or the tow truck driver. Whoever didn't you yeah. know, get yeah. out the window. And, um, and then she's like pissed because she goes, do you think I would actually could have been one of those things? And he goes, no. And she's like, fine, fine, you know. And then they run out of the uh, the pawn shop, and he sees a bus, and he's like, oh, we're saved, right? Now, did you know when they leave? Did you notice that when they leave the pawn shop, the camera pans up to one of those rounded mirrors by the door, and you see Keith in it, but you don't see Allison in the mirror. But And then the camera quickly kind of moves back down to see. But here's the thing. You, you like I said, you don't see Allison in the mirror because you're like, oh, maybe it's it's because she's a vampire. But you realize when the camera moves down, you kind of wouldn't have seen her because Keith is already running out of it. It was I only bring it up because it was it was weird. They were trying to pepper in this maybe this idea that Allison was a vampire, but it's kind of the only moment that they really did that, and mm, it kind of doesn't really play out and if you're not paying attention if you're taking notes you're kind of not gonna see it but i was like why did they even like cut to that shot of the the rounded mirror you know but it Hmm. it's it ultimately doesn't really play pan out to anything and i almost think they should have just left that on the cutting room floor but you know whatever i think he was maybe trying to add a little bit of maybe to it you know yeah i know i like that though because they're still even up until the final scene yeah, you know, when, when he's like, "Hey, I want you to see something real quick." Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. <laughs> I did so too. <laughs> he he sees a bus. They run to the bus, and the bus door opens, and the the bus driver is a vampire. Yeah. He's like, "What's that?" Right? And by the way, and that so, bus driver guy has been in a shit ton of movies. Go go look up. He actually has an IMDb picture, so you can actually see it. Okay, yeah, I forget who that guy's name, but <laughs> this is a really great shot. So once the bus driver's there. They realize they're now surrounded by vampires. It's a really cool shot. And like they're like one of them, the cop, some people, some some of them are from the club. Some yeah. of them are, you know, I think it's the the guy from the 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 
the sewers. It was eating the rat. It was yep. like it was almost like oh, all these characters that we met before, we now see that they're officially vampires, and they're all part of the same community, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And then so they think they're done, and then out of nowhere, uh, driving down the road, and I I forget meant to mention this earlier in in basically a car that looks like the rogues car from the warriors sans graffiti all over it uh snowball and his gang show up snow and they get out and they're like all right you know well so i love how snow goes what gang is this oh yeah yeah snow yeah snowball get, what gang is this he looks all around at the vampires keith and allison run off right and uh, the little girl's there, too. And, he, yeah, that's when Snowball Snow looks down. He's like, what kind of gang is this? And the little girl leaps almost like in Lost Boys, like flies at him and attacks him. And you know that the whole gang is dead at this point. And, and what's cool is at that point I was like, oh, wow. So, okay, Snow is was human, you know. And I guess I kind of knew that because one of his goons got killed. But, yeah, it's, it's interesting how they really wanted you to think he was a vampire, but he's not. It's all the normal-looking people are the vampires, and he's the punk wannabe vampire. Yeah, I love it. It's so cool. So cool. Uh, which makes you think that the girl had fake teeth to begin with back in the day. Or maybe those were real teeth. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, right. I don't know. Uh, so they run off. Keith and Allison run off. And then Allison finally says, you know, Keith, it's time. My name, I'm Allison Hicks. Remember <laughs> Seaside Heights? Summer vacation, fifth grade. We were in Sue Leonard's basement playing Spin the, Lo- Spin the Bottle. And they're basically telling the story about how they first kissed, you know. And you're like, Oh, why did you tell him this a whole long time ago, you know? Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, like, she tells him when they're about to go in the sewers, and, like, she's standing on the sewer thing. As people are, like, sort of running towards him, Keith's like, okay, gr- great, gr- bad timing, let's let's go, you know? Yeah, bad but, timing. But what's funny is, is, again, on repeat viewings, you see earlier on when, when they locked eyes, she did a spin the bottle thing. Yes. And, and, and Keith kind of didn't really understand and she got mad by it. But like now you go back and low. Yeah. And now you go back and rewatch it, knowing what you know after the first viewing. And you're like, oh, yeah, OK, I, I, I get it now. This is a good movie that holds up well under repeat viewings. Yeah, because I didn't pick that up to the second time I watched it recently. So, yeah, that was great. And, and yeah, he's like, you have incredible timing or something. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, thanks. Oh, yeah, she even says thanks. Yeah, just, thanks. Uh, so they, they, she goes to the, uh, the the sewer, and she's like, are you safe? Are you sure it's safe down here? And he goes, trust me, this is an abandoned system. I've been here before, which is cool. It's a nice little throw in there, you know? Yeah. And then they're in the sewer, and they hear something walking behind them, and they start getting freaked out. Uh, they find a door. They hide because the, the the steps are getting louder. They rush to part of the sewer where they think they're hiding, and it's a door. And they open up the door and they go down into the uh, layer. down into like a deeper layer. And it is the layer of the vampires. There's mm-hmm. skeletons down there. There's coffins down there. Katrina's sarcophagus is down there. Everything's down there. Uh, they hear them coming into the lair, so they hide behind uh, like an open can of gasoline. Yeah, my only note is, well, why would the vampires have multiple, so- multiple drums, like giant drums of gasoline? It's very convenient. Very, very convenient. So uh, he asked Katrina if she still has uh, like matches. Allison, he asked uh, Allison. Or, sorry, she asked, he asked <laughs> Allison if she has any matches because he smells the gas. And they start coming down, and slowly, one by one, they're getting into their coffins. But then Allison gets scared, 
uh, knocks something, knocks something over. The vampires hear them. Uh, at this point, Keith's like, let's get the hell out of here. Knocks over the gasoline, sets it on fire. They all flame on. I just wrote flame on <laughs> and torches all the vampires. It's, it's a little hokey because some people you can see you're clearly wearing like, uh, you know, special effects suits, but I don't give that. I don't dock it any because no. it's low budget. It's, you know, it's a, it's a low budget, small, small horror film. Who cares? As far as like pad movies go, nothing is as bad as Savage Streets at the end where the full body suit with the paper, yeah, with the paper mache smiley face mask on, you know? Yeah. 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 It's not a big deal. Anyways, they get out of there. The place gets torched up. They're all dead. And, um, they trying to get out of the sewer. Suddenly, Allison gets grabbed, screams, and Keith turns around. Meanwhile, by the way, I forgot to mention, he still has his bow and arrow with him. Yeah. Allison screams. Keith turns around, goes looking for her uh, back down a hallway because she's kind of missing at this point and finds her uh, wrapped up by Katrina. Katrina's about to bite into her neck, basically threatening yeah. uh, Keith. Like, like a hostage sort of standoff scenario. Yeah. But, and Keith's, Keith, this is so fucking cool. This is a great shot. Yeah. A great shot so with Keith, a bow and arrow. While, while, while Grace Jones, while Katrina has Allison, Keith is basically holding the arrow locked into place and everything, and he's holding it so taut that the 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 wire that the bow is cutting into his fingers and you see the blood running down this is something i've never seen done in movies before and i love the fact that that this was it adds this layer to it. it's very fucking cool that that he's got this blood running down the cord as he's just basically He's waiting. He's waiting for that magical moment that that's going to come where he can release it and take her down. But it's really cool, dude. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, he he looks he looks cool. He looks intense. He's got his steel blue eyes. And uh and Allison's like, "You know, Keith helped me." You know, and she's like whining and and Katrina's like full vampire face ready to bite down and the blood's dripping slowly dripping and it drips onto his shoe and when it does Katrina like kind of lunges for it cuz instinctively yeah. cuz she's a vampire and releases Allison just enough for Katrina to get shot in the mouth with the arrow fucking awesome and propels dude. her back into and then it's so so kick ass and then he picks up a steel pipe no Allison shoves, does oh, Allison oh, does oh sorry Allison picks up a steel pipe and shoves it into Katrina's chest. And you think she's dead, donezo, goodbye, sayonara, see you later. Allison runs over to Keith. Oh, my gosh, it's so great. They're cute. And she's like, oh, you're bleeding. Oh, and he goes, no, it's nothing. And she's like, well, this could get infected. And she starts sucking on his finger. Yeah, so weird. I mean, there was a time when, you remember when people would do Blood Brothers? You'd cut your fingers and you I never blood together. I never did that because I don't like pain. So, oh, well, and you don't like getting weird diseases. You no. never know. Uh, but yeah, so so that she's like sucking on his finger, and that's when you're like, oh shit, is she a vampire? What the hell? Like, who would do that? Who would do that? Right? It's so weird. And then Katrina's back up, pulls the arrow out of her mouth, pulls the pipe out of her chest, and then uh, starts walking towards Keith, stalking him right before he shot the arrow off earlier, there's a beam of light that comes down uh, from the, the, the floorboards. Right. So uh, he, like floorboards above him, you know, so there's like wood covering some kind of grates. We, we don't really know, but yeah, he yeah. knows that it's sunlight out essentially. Very, very like fright night esque. 
Um, Very fucking uh, from Dust Till Dawn esque. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So, so he he takes enough floorboards out as she comes closer. She doesn't realize that he's taking the floor the 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 boards out from above, and the light shines down on her just enough to vaporize her gets vaporized it's a really cool transformation where there's like green energy coming out in her skin the blood it's like black blood and the skin's coming off her face and her face like blows off it's really fucking cool man it reminds me a little bit of fright night in in the in in that sense um it's really cool i love it and as it as she starts to deteriorate they're watching her she turns into a skeleton and then her skeleton arm reaches up for like one last gasp you think like she's gonna try to grab them and it turns into a finger gives them the finger and then falls down and falls apart and all the bones fall away she's dead katrina's gone so when the skeletal arm the actual shot of the skeletal arm giving her the finger at the end of that shot you can see the 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 special effects person's hands uh manipulating uh it's like at the right hand shot of of the of the shot, essentially, you can see the person's hands. Um, it, it's it's fine. I, I don't mind it. It's it's a cute thing. It's it, if anything, it, it makes the movie more endearing. You know, these little gaffes like that. But yeah. yeah, you can totally see the special effects person's hand manipulating the 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 wiring that's in that's at the base of the arm that the middle finger is. And it's, it sucks because I saw that on my first viewing. So I kind of can't disassociate it, but I do get it. I get why that's fucking cool. Cause I love Katrina fucking giving them the middle fucking finger. I love yeah, that shit. I think there's a gif of that online actually. I think so, so good. I'll have to find yeah, it. So good. So good. And so you think all is good. They're, they're done. Right. So they go to the manhole, they go to the ladder that takes them out of the, onto the street and uh, Keith runs over to it. And then you hear Allison scream again and he suddenly realized Vlad, who's got some burn scars on him, is holding Katrina, or sorry, holding Allison. And maybe Vlad is like a, a Renfield type character where he's not a full vampire. He's like a zombified person. And uh, and he's like, you know, you killed, you killed my Katrina. You both must die. And then suddenly out of nowhere, he gets a stake in the chest, a la Billy Cole. And... Uh, he falls to the ground and it's AJ to the rescue and a- and they're looking at him startled and AJ's like, well, don't know. What does he say? Well, don't everybody thank me all at once. Keith's looking at him like stunned and AJ holds up the piece of uh, the, the steak that he killed him with originally. He goes for Micah for Micah. Go figure. Which is go figure fake, fake wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then he's like, hi, Allison. And Allison's like, hi. And she goes, see, he remembers me. Dude. Something like that. Dude. Dude. So we don't score movies, and we still have a little bit more to go, but we don't score movies on this on this show. Uh, if we did, if it was one out of five, it would have been a th- maybe a three or a four. But the fact that AJ comes back at the end, it's a perfect movie for me. I fucking yeah. cheered. I was like, this is awesome. I can't believe it. And honestly, I, like one of my top three favorite scenes is still yet to come, uh, uh, you know, at the end. But but right now, you know, if if the whole line of like, they're, that doesn't make them bad people. If that like that knocked it up to like a 4.5, AJ coming back at the end solidified this to me. And it, I wouldn't have felt this way way like years ago when I was a kid. But right now, this is like, I love this movie and it's fucking perfect to me. 
Oh, it's 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 great. It's so great. It's it's like in Shaun of the Dead when uh, you yeah. know Shaun's buddy comes back. It's like that's that's the moment you want to see, and and you realize like okay he's alive and and he's a good guy, but what's gonna happen next? And and AJ's like relax, I'll take care of everything. And Keith's like, this has been one wacky night. And AJ goes, you're telling me I'm going to need some new clothes here. And then they start going up the manhole to cover to leave. And he's like, wait, where are you going? <laughs> and, and they get to the manhole cover. And this is when like, Keith is like, Allison, I want you to see something. Because he kind of oh, yeah. peeks the manhole and it's really bright. And he's like, ah. He's like, hey, Allison, check this out. Because, again, he's not entirely sure that she's not a vampire. This is my favorite scene because I love this. It's like just to prove, right, that just to make sure once and for all because that's been one of the biggest questions. And she comes up. She's like, okay, sure. And then she comes up and gets blinded by the light. She's like, oh, <laughs> you know, what, what is this, some kind of joke? And, uh, and he's like, he's like, no. It's actually not a joke. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. And so they come up and out of the out of the sewer. AJ's like, he goes, "I'll take a graveyard shift. That's what I'll do for a job, right?" Keith, where are you going? And Keith's like, "Relax. I'll take care of everything. Just follow us." Like, I guess in the sewer system. Yeah, yeah. No, that's totally what he's gonna do. It's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "All right." He goes, "All right, I'm right below you, pal." Yeah, yeah. And then they leave. They run off down the street past a plasma center, by the way, which is really funny. Yeah. And they run off down the street, and then you hear AJ from below yell, "Hey, you guys live in a barn or what?" And he slowly pulls the manhole cover closed, and it seals up. And then you hear "Volare," whoa, and the credits start rolling, and you see AJ and Allison, or uh, Keith and Allison. Sorry, you see Keith and Allison like far down the street, and you think it's over, like it's just gonna cut to black but then suddenly out of nowhere the streets are just filled with people and cars again like normal like yeah. everything goes back to normal now and and yeah it's it's such an amazing shot they they talk about it on the blu-ray on the making of they they basically had very little time the the cops blocked off the streets and everything and they were the cops were basically like well we're gonna hold it as long as we can but we can't guarantee you that people aren't gonna start going I figured that yeah and so so they have this shot of of um Keith um and Allison they this is their big moment to kiss and they start walking across the street and then people just start coming and that's when essentially the the so all of those people there they're not you know the crew or anything that's just people in downtown LA and and it's it's such an effective shot it's yes. such an amazing shot uh and and at the very end there's a fucking rainbow i think that was added in post production yes. but adding adding to the whole wizard of oz scenario that this movie is and at the end of this film bro i mean if i had a mic i would have dropped it i was like this is this is fucking amazing like and again I'm so glad I didn't watch this when I was younger because I think it would have clouded my judgment of it. I think I would not have understand understood the subtleties of it. I would have not gotten the jokes. I would have said, oh, this is stupid. It's not gory enough. It's not whatever. But at, at 43 years old, in the year 2021, watching Vamp 1986 for the first time, I have to say... It holds up remarkably well. The story that it's telling still is is a viable story, you know, type of thing. And you will never see filmmaking like this ever again because L.A. doesn't exist like this ever, ever again, you know. And it's just a product of its time. And there will be no other Grace Jones, you know. This movie 
is the definition of lightning in a bottle. It cannot be recreated. And, you know, I don't think it should even be attempted to be recreated. But well, it, as it, it is, was attempted, it was, was it? Attempted. Did they make a did they remake a vamp or did they make a vamp too? Well, no, they made from dust till dawn. Right. Yeah. True. Good. Yep. Yeah, good point. Good call. <laughs> good call. Um, and the only way to remake it is to make it as an homage and try and do something different with it because like from dust. Yeah. yeah. If from dust till dawn. So, dude, I love this movie. Love this movie. Love, love, love this movie. Vamp fucking rules. I just, I just want to tack on one quick thing. Um, uh, when Allison's sucking on Keith's finger and he like kisses her hand and she's like, Oh, thanks. Right. Like she wanted a real kiss from him. Yeah. And then he gives her the real kiss at the end. This might be a little TMI, but back when I saw that movie, probably in my teen years, I was like, that's how you kiss a girl. <laughs> and that's how you kiss a girl. It, it, but it, but it really encapsulates how I feel about the movie. It really, it, it capture. it's a snapshot of a night. Yep. A la, from dusk till dawn, a la after hours. After hours. Mm-hmm. Also, perhaps three o'clock high because that's an homage to after hours as well. Mm-hmm. Um, a snapshot, one little moment, and what a beautiful thing! Like it really, this little indie movie that could, and it's still, it's got a new lease on life in the in the beautiful Blu-ray transfer. There's a booklet that comes with it. Uh, it's 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 with the docu on there too. The fact that we got the interviewed the director today about the movie and gush over it with him, which he seemed to really appreciate. Uh, I think that this, this movie has the legs have gotten stronger and, and, and it it's dare I say better now than it was when I saw it 30 years ago. Um, so I can't do anything but recommend this movie. It's flaws are, it's, very minimal. Its and flaws so are minimal, we, but but make us in, it endears us to the movie even more so. Yes. So hats off thank, to everyone involved who made this movie. If you've never seen Vamp, you better damn well watch it because it's great. And um, check out our interview. Check out our interview, check out our interview with interview. Richard Wink on on Patreon. So the, so yeah, when you get a chance, go on over to Patreon and subscribe to our plethora of uh, bonus content. It's it's unique. It's special. Uh, it's worth the price of admission. And uh, for the for the interviews alone, you know, of which the will be Richard Wank, upcoming Catherine Mary Stewart, mm-hmm. um, you know, previous interviews include John Philbin. They include Peter Jason, one of our favorite interviews we've done <laughs> as of late. Yes, that uh, was a good one. Jonathan William Stark, Sadler, William Sadler, amazing one, uh, like one after the we've got interviews with people that you've heard of that you definitely know of. Uh, then we've got people that are up and coming, you know, like Caleb director, Emery. yeah, Caleb Emery and the director of Psycho Gorman, Stephen Kostansky. Mm-hmm. Like it, the list goes on and on and on. Can, and Tony Timpone. Can I just like, say real quick, guys and gals, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of Last Podcast on the Left. They are probably, you know, they're, they're top tier when it comes to podcasting. Uh, they just interviewed Stephen Kostansky. Guys and gals, we interviewed him a year ago, so we. Well, I'm not. I'm, you know me. I don't toot my own horn or our own horn too, too much. Toot, toot. But I'm a toot toot. I'm pretty impressed with the fact that we were on that way ahead of anybody else. Yeah, and and I will say just to, to piggyback on that, and and, and um, it, that we we did that out of that was a like a 
very organically. Mm -hmm. So for anybody wondering out there, how do you get these guests? It's organically. Yeah. Just trust me. So, it's organic. You have to talk to them. You have to be friends with them. It's not just, yeah, it's not just hitting them up and be like, hey, you want to be on the show? You have to like, yeah, snooze, snooze, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know. So, so, you know, we've got a lot of great content on there. Please go check us out on Patreon if you haven't already. Just consider it, please. But yeah. overall, your support in general has been amazing. It's what keeps us going. It's what keeps us doing what we do because we love to do it. Uh, speaking of loving doing things, doing things, that sounds really weird. Uh, Corey does something else. He does <laughs> another show called Cut Right. Oh, good good job, buddy. I actually had a good segue for the $2 late fee one, but okay, oh. I'll, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. You can listen to me and our pal Adam talk about Seinfeld every week on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are also tackling Curb Your Enthusiasm on the Cartwright Patreon, um, which is a lot of fun. But at this point, we are actually getting into season seven of uh, Seinfeld. And so that means we've recorded over a hundred episodes of Seinfeld. Wow. And yeah, I love that show. I love Seinfeld. What can I say? And obviously, Jack Compass. I mean, come on. It's awesome. There's connective tissue between Vamp and fucking Seinfeld. So go check out Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Uh, go check out everything else on the BFOP network, Action Action, uh, you know, uh, all of our podcasts. Blast from our past, talking back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We love everybody and everything that's going on at the BFOP network. But we also love Two Dollar Late Fee, a show that is the light side to podcasting after dark's dark side. A a a something that we I assume at this point. I mean, we're, this is season three, guys. By the way, this is year three slash season three of Podcast After Dark. I hope. That everyone that listens to Podcasting After Dark is also listening to, to, to $2 late fee with Zach and Dustin because it is truly the other side of the coin. And I do think that, I mean, Zach is the, the, the knowledge character of this show. You know, I'm here for the yucks, guys. That's what I'm here for. But if you like this kind of knowledge that Zach brings to the table, he definitely brings it to the table with $2 late fee as well with him and Dustin. And they have a plethora of of people that they talk to movies that they discuss and and creatives and, and actors and everything but right now what what's going on over there right now at the time of of vamp launching what do you guys got coming up well the the following sunday from this launching it will be our exclusive interview with dean cameron and richard horvitz from summer school like a little mini summer school reunion it's our first four-way uh, and it's really entertaining, really funny, probably one of our funniest interviews we've ever done. And um, we're doing a crossover with Pad later on in August, but that's to be continued because uh, it's kind of going to be a little bit of a surprise for Corey. So stay tuned to uh, our Patreon uh exclusive content because that'll give you a tease as to what's going to be coming next but i won't reveal any more than that but yeah thank you for that amazing endorsement i appreciate it two dollar late fee two dollar late fee.com i you know and i i do in see in year three of podcast after dark i would like to have more connective tissue um i feel like we we allowed two years for both podcasts to sort of grow and on their own and everything and i would like to have some sort of connection other than obviously you and everything and i love Dustin, Dustin's my friend, uh, you know, and everything, but I've never actually podcasted him with him oh. before. And I, I have a wish list that I would like to do with Dustin and everything.
interesting. So I hope we see it in the next, you know, this year, next year, whatever. But I would like to see more connective tissue between Tudara Lefi and uh, podcasting after dark because you, you guys will. put on a great you show will. over there. And well, you guys, uh, again, like I said, I hope everyone who's listening to this is also listening to that. And you should because I do think you get a, a good overall picture of the 80s, you know, you, from Thanks. mainstream to, to cult and everything. So, yeah, this 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 upcoming interview is going to be great. So, yeah, you'll yeah. love it. We love you guys, and we, 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 I, I love you, Zach. I love Dustin. I love, love Tudalafi, and guys and gals. I fucking love Vamp. What a movie! What a movie! And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark.